It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Talk Star Wars, episode 131. I'm your host, Rob. And I'm Brad. You're also a host. Sorry, I don't know why I did that. It's Reflex from Emotionally 14. I, I, I don't mind. No, it's fine. We're, just, we're both I'm hosts. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm just I, pleased to be here. I know. Well, I'm glad to have you here. How are you doing? Yeah, good. You? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, little, I'm glad that the weather has eased off a touch. Because the heat has oh, been... Oh, so unpleasant. much better, isn't it's, it? Oh, today, I don't... It, it rained all day and I was so happy. Like, I'm not... <laughs> It's like turning in my British so, card, you know? Like, it's, and something that really annoys me is when it's really hot and you're complaining about it, and there's always someone who says, no, you'll be complaining if it was cold. And you're like, I genuinely don't. No, I'm, like, I'm good so, with cold. I'm, I'm totally good with cold. When it was snowing, like February, March time this year, it was lovely. Yeah, it was all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah my, only pain, on. my only pain with it is just getting to work and back. That's the only pain with it. But apart from that, I, yeah. like, I like the, you know, I'm much a bigger fan of autumn and winter than I am of spring and summer. Yeah, totally. I don't mean totally. it to sound like you know Tim Burton, but it's yeah. it's true. I mean, you know, I'm much, I'm much, e- it's much easier for my money at least yeah. to uh, make yourself warmer if you're cold rather than cool yourself yeah. down if you're hot. And I can only imagine how they deal with it in places like Portugal where it's expected. Yeah. Uh, the Star Wars weather app is showing. Uh, showing Camino. I thought it might be, you know, because it rains a lot in Camino, yeah. and it's been chucking yeah. it down today. So it's been about right. Yeah. And also, everybody I've seen today in London had a long neck, and the, the <laughs> yeah. other ones all look New Zealand, um, like um, Timur Morrison. So that was kind of thematic. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I watched Attack of the Clones again the other day. Actually, I'm oh, sorry about that. Oh, it's you know. It's still, it it's was, fine. there's it's certainly a better way to spend my time than some things I could be doing with the TV. So, yeah, obviously Love Island's finished yeah. now, but. There's a lot of Attack of Clones I really like. It just yes. doesn't pull together at the end. That's the thing, isn't it? It's There's some really nice 
individual bits. Yeah, I mean, I was, when I was, while you're watching it, you go, actually, this is quite a good one. Yeah, you yeah, get to the end, totally. you go, uh, no, that didn't work. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was sitting there watching it with Jen, and she was asking when you're a lot. Watching, you can say, they're going to explain all this in a minute, and yeah. then they don't. No, no. That was the thing. I had to do a lot of, that was the thing that kind of cemented it for me. It's like, no, it's not the best film. Because I had to do a lot of exposition on Jen's behalf because she hasn't obviously she's not as connected to the universe as as we are. Understand? Oh, the you know, whole that. relate really even the core concept of what the Confederacy of Independent Systems is yeah. isn't explained. Not particularly. No, it's it's just, it's just the outside of the separatists in the opening crawl. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Get. Pretty much, and that's the thing. You consider the amount of political faff goes on in Phantom Menace by comparison. I wonder if it's an overcorrection. To uh, to try and address that, right. maybe that people say, uh, "Oh, too much politics," and he's like, "All right, suit yourself." I Not think enough. a lot of Attack of the Clones is yeah responding a little too strongly to criticism. I think yeah, maybe I think so that's like really, the that's really good. C three PO basically elbows Jar Jar out of the script because oh, there's so that's much rough. what C three PO does is so obviously supposed to have been Jar Jar in an earlier draft. Yeah, it's you know it's very and there's some stuff that just made me cross and it shouldn't have because it's a it's a film about wizards in space. But there's things yeah, like yeah, know. you know. This is a um, C3PO sound lines like this is a nightmare. You're a robot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what a robot's nightmare looks like. I can only imagine it's a blue screen. Yeah, that's or it. They can they can just weld um, a his his head to a battle droid's body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I I used to work at a high street electronics retailer. But the difficulty you had hooking up a certain type of USB socket <laughs> to a certain type of USB socket. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was, suddenly we can we can just solder a protocol droid's head to a battle droid's body, and instantly that's another thing as well that made me cross. In episode five in Empire, they established very clearly that C three PO's head does not seem to do anything unless you wire it up to his body, and yet it pops <laughs> off and delivers and delivers jokes. It pops off and yes. it's saying stuff, and it's being yeah. there's a bit where the bit where R two like if nothing else there's a bit where R two pops his head off and drags him along and he delivers on this is such a drag what he should have been saying is Arr. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't yeah and it's just it just makes see little things like that I know they shouldn't make me cross because again wizards space movie but yeah I know I just <laughs> I just find myself going did nobody just why would no <laughs> no <laughs> all right okay it's never crossed anyone's mind apparently okay. not apparently not all right fair enough so um let's delve right into listen to comms we've got uh, to haven't we we do but um before we do actually i'm just going to uh thank a couple of people so we relaunched we well yeah you too but okay, we relaunched our patreon campaign this week uh so that's available at patreon.com slash talk star wars we're going to get the plugs in early and often and okay. we already had a few people jump on board who weren't previously on board or had dropped off to wait for it to return. So uh, thank you to Neil Lowry, to Tumbling Sabre, to Carlos Candido, to Jared McIntyre. And uh, there is one more who I apologize for not remembering, but it has escaped me and I've accidentally just closed the show notes because it's all done on my phone. <laughs> because of course it is. Uh and who else? Neil, Carlos, and Tommy Saber. Oh, no, uh, that, yeah, it's those three. Okay, so I got okay, it right. Cool. That's fine. And okay. uh, thank you to Jared. Um, <laughs> it sounds really grim, but uh, for not cancelling, <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> I, have, I have evidence of this, that's all. That's all I'm saying. But uh, if people are interested in 
being part of our Patreon campaign, as I say, patreon.com slash talkstarwars. You can get an ad-free yep. version of the show. Are you already aware Ooh. that A Quiet Place is available on DVD and digital download? <laughs> this, is the feed, <laughs> this is the feed for you. I've just been talking about that. So I did a little uh, video in the old, in the, um, the VIP group, and uh, I did mention mm. that uh, I have no control over I get I get to place the ads. I don't get to choose what's in them. Uh, so if you get ones, if you get lots of the same one, I'm sorry, but uh, there's nothing much I can do about it. <laughs> but just there you go. It's supposed to be a good film. I don't know what to tell I've you. I've heard nothing but good things. You know, I've heard yeah, great no, things. It's supposed to be very good. Yeah, I've heard great I've things. I've had people Blunt do yeah, anything. Also true. Reason. To be fair, I'll watch John Krasinski. He's pretty entertaining. That Him too. Mm. You know, but between them, they're, yeah. they're a really good value for money. Um, yeah. So thank you to everybody who has joined our Patreon so far. As I say, I invite anybody who's interested to uh, to check out the Patreon page. There'll be a link to it on the web. There's a link to it on the website. Uh, so you can mm. get it there. And uh, let's move into listener comms. So yes, we uh, should. our first message comes from Vesuvi, as it often does, of course. which is always nice. Uh, it never comes from anyone else. Um, well, it depends on if I mess up the ordering, but otherwise, no. <laughs> uh, Vesuvi writes, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Brad. I'm glad you You're both welcome. enjoyed Thrawn Alliances, as did I. Firstly, cool. Brad mentioned the Grisk species. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that I did no such thing, how dare you? <laughs> that one... Uh, that one, that one, I'm so eager to see an official representation of. They could possibly be the stuff of nightmares, a big blue screen. Uh, secondly, if I'm not mistaken, the planet Batu will also be the world seen in Disney's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge parks. She's not mistaken, that is indeed true. Uh, mm-hmm. Lastly, I'm glad that Cortosis, the energy dissipating material, was mentioned in the story as well, which it was. Yes. And now for a wee bit of, wee bit of tongue lashing. Oh my. The hyperbole that no one went to see Solo should be tempered with the fact that as of me typing this message, Solo has made over $391 million uh, worldwide. (laughs) Nationwide would be something. Uh, (laughs) uh, It should be considered as a modest success. Over $91 million profit is notable. It could have not made its budget back, and they would have arguably made it a dud despite its quality. Could it have been a larger success? I do believe so, had they moved the release date to December. I agree, for the record. Uh, but mm-hmm. let's not feed into the inaccurate notion that it was unsuccessful. It was successful, just not as successful as hoped. Now, feel free to continue with your hilarious exaggerations. I'm reading that in the tone of voice. I, I assume that yeah. was the tone of voice intended. Um, yeah, I think so. And to cap things off with something nearly nonsensical, a friend of mine since college do you, days... Do you, do, you, sorry, do you get the feeling she was involved in production of Solo? Because she seems pretty vehement <laughs> in her defence. No, Vesuvi, no. Vesuvi, director of marketing for Solo. Actually, I think you find it made loads of money. <laughs> I mean, ninety-one million dollars is a lot of money. If you gave that to me, I could, yeah. you know, I could do a lot with it. But uh, yeah, anyway, because my dad is friends with Ron Howard, and he said I can go over and play anytime I want to. Oh, I, all right, fine. My dad's <laughs> friends with Clint. All right, fine, <laughs> fine. He's still in the movie. Good enough. Yeah, close enough. Uh, and to cap things off with something nearly nonsensical, a friend of mine since college days walked the red carpet with Richard E. Grant for the Manhattan premiere of Pretty Porti, nineteen ninety-four, which was subsequently retitled Ready to Wear. So whenever I read or hear Mr. Grant's name, I'm always interested. I used to have photographic evidence of the event, as it was published in a nationwide magazine of the time, but it was destroyed a few years ago when a pregnant cat decided to shred it, make a nest of it, and give birth to her litter in the box where that archival periodical was stored. May the force be with us all. <laughs> Yours, old Aunt Vesuvius. That's right. Do you remember what I said to you about ending your stories one sentence earlier? <laughs> so, um, th- helpfully, she's included, um, these are in the show notes, links to the yeah. Wikipedia for Grisk, Batu, Galaxy's Shows Edge, and Cortez. Indeed, I like that, you know. I'm, and yeah, I say, I did, so ask, what, I did ask to keep doing it in last episode, and she's yeah. followed suit, so more power yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... 
arguably it's not it, solo's not a complete disaster because as Vasubi points out, it didn't lose if it lost money, it didn't lose a lot. Because one thing that I think Vesuvi's missing is that three hundred million is kind of the top end production budget. That's not all they would have spent on the film. Because obviously no, they have to do promotional things. They obviously make the toys. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, three hundred and ninety one million dollars worldwide, there are films for whom that is a significant success. You know, mm-hmm. um, even something like uh, I think Mission Impossible Fallout, the opening weekend was kind of not entirely dissimilar from Solos, and it was being quite you know the the, the coverage was mm-hmm. very different. Now, obviously, Star Wars has a certain expectation on it. Whether or not it was kind of fair to put that expectation on Solo, given the marketing push or lack thereof, given the position mm-hmm. of it in the calendar, given the crowded schedule around it. Mission Impossible is a summertime movie. It's very much positioned for where it, I think probably where it's best in terms of where it's going to make the most money. Solo is a good, in a solo, I love Solo. You know, I I loved it. I saw it twice at the cinema. I wanted to see it more. Absolutely. It's going to be, I think it's, you know, I'm still thinking it's going to be when I finally redo my list, it's going to be top half for sure. Because it's really, really good. Probably right. Yeah, really, really good. But I think it's fair to say, give, I think that the, what what you have to bear in mind when you're talking about solo success or lack thereof in context of box office, I think the thing to keep in mind is the expectation of Star Wars is supposed to, and historically has been, uh, uh, an engine to push significant box office returns just from the power of the name. Yeah. Now, as I say, I really I do feel quite quite strongly that they didn't do as good a job of putting the name out there as they could have, because. They didn't really push the marketing until the last minute. The trailers were nowhere to be found until about February time, February, March. When they mm-hmm. did come, they were good. But, you know, there's only so much. Like, there should have been something on Last Jedi's trailer reel. I really feel like every film should have a teaser or something for the next one. Yeah. Episode nine's a bit trickier because obviously there's a big gap. But Yeah, um, and we don't know what we're doing after that. Well, well quite. You know, obviously there's, there's projects, but nobody's really got any details yet on what those projects no. are going to turn up in, you know, where they're going to turn up in calendars. So I really hope... No, I mean, the most we can hope for at the moment is Battlefront 3. Yeah, well, quite, yeah. But I really hope that um, they take... the If they take one lesson from Solo, and I hope they... And if they take one, I really hope it's stick with December and just mm-hmm. own that time slot. Because nobody oh, yeah, nobody nothing. does anymore. Like you say, like you said yeah. before in previous episodes, you're absolutely spot on. The Tolkien movies are the only ones that have ever made a promising case for holding on to that slot for any length of time. Totally agree. I think you've spot on with that. So there you go, Vesuvi. There's our kind of considered thoughts on Solo. Could it have been a large mm-hmm. success? Agreed. I think they should have moved it to December as well. I understand why they didn't, but yes. um, I wish they'd not done that. Um, yeah. On the subject of Richard E. Grant, actually, did you watch the video of him talking about getting the part? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, dude, it's like, it's so cool. I'll, I'll find you a link. It's like 45 yeah, seconds okay. long, and it's just the sweetest thing. He's obviously okay. so jazzed up about being in this film. You know, he's, oh, talking, to, he's talking about how he got the, you know, how he sort of, because when they read for these things, it turns out, I don't know whether it's um, part dependent, but they they read for it as kind of untitled project. You know, mm-hmm. so they kind of like they just give you a sense of what they want from you, and then you go, you do yeah. your audition, and then they come, they bring you in, and he's like, you get to meet J.J. Abrams, and he's like, oh, he knows what that, and suddenly he realizes exactly what that means, you know, what that mm-hmm. enti- what that signifies, and 
you know, at the time you might have thought, oh, Trek, marvellous. But things, <laughs> things have changed since then. So, yeah. you know, but it's just, like I say, it's just, it's just wonderful to see. He's obviously so, so happy to be part of this film. Awesome. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want the people who are part of this yeah. film to be enjoying themselves. And he's already enjoying himself just telling stories about it. So, you know, it only, it only bodes well, I think. Mm. Um, on the subject, keeping on the Richard E. Grant thing, actually, before we move on, I don't know if you saw this. Have you seen, there's a lot of people suggesting that he might be Obi-Wan. That somebody put a Photoshop no, of him I... on Alec, old Alec Guinness from episode four. And it's not, I, I wouldn't say... Some people are saying it's like for like. I really wouldn't say that, but I, I don't think it's too far off. It's actually quite, you know. Yeah, um, you'd be surprised. I, I'd, I'd have to have a look at it. I'd, yeah. um, mental pitching Richard E. Grant. I can't. I still feel like I he's going to be they, attached. I feel to they could just put it over Guy Henry's face. To be honest with you, they could. I think they could. Um, I think. My personal feeling is he's going to be some. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Something First Order themed. Something First Order shaped. Well, he is British. He is British, and that is the that is the theme. The running theme is British people are bad guys, except for Ray. Yeah. Except for Ray. Yeah. John Boyega has to put an accent on to not yeah. blow, to not blow the, to not take the lid off the game. Yeah. Um but I think you know I I still feel like he's got some part to play in the first order. Uh but who knows we might be you know I I said last week it could work as a kind of he, raised drunken father I've seen thing. so many people and even like not huge not in what I would consider my Star Wars type friends mm-hmm. on Facebook I'm seeing a lot of speculation that he's thrown. I've seen that. And I don't... I don't see it. I think if they do it, I'll go along with it. But it seems if they do, I would consider it an odd decision. It's weird. It would be weird to throw in. So that they, obviously with Solo, we're, we're further enough into spoiler territory now that I can talk about it. It's been like, you know, nearly three months. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's Plenty been, of I've got it on a bit of paper. It's been... Um, 77 days. 77 days. Indeed. Yeah. Um... I think, you know, it's one thing to bring in Maul at the end of Solo. Yep. He's a familiar character in an unfamiliar context. Yes. To people who haven't watched Rebels... It doesn't affect the movie in any way. Absolutely. It could be any crime lord behind that hologram and you wouldn't know that, and you wouldn't know him from Adam. Um, The only thing Mm -hmm. it does is it plugs it, it it sort of makes, I say, it, it, it does kind of run the risk of alienating the casuals, but at the same time it also takes the gamble, which I think is a reasonable mm-hmm. one, of making casual fans go, I thought he was dead. I have to look into this. Yeah. And then they yeah. find Clone Wars, and then everybody's be- life is better for this. Yeah, totally. So that's one thing. So it's, it's one thing to bring back an established character that's in an unfamiliar context. It's another thing entirely to bring in a character who has only turned up in two series of an animated show that 
let's be fair, it's popular, but it's not exactly, yeah. it's not got mainstream pop culture appeal. It's not no. Big Bang no, Theory. It's... Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. But at the end, that's no. the bottom line, really. No, indeed. I, I, it would be, you know, if, if, I feel like it would be a fine as a passing nod to just have mm. him in the background of a shot or have him turn up of reference to or a character he's interacted with. I feel like Richard E. Grant is a, is an actor of significant clout. And I think you, you bring him in for yeah. something more meaty and something new that yeah. he, can get, he can really kind of sink into. Yeah, they could get away with a vocal, uh, vocal, I mean, a uh, verbal reference to Thrawn, yeah. like they throw Bosk and Aura Singh's name around in yeah, exactly. Solo. Or, Something um, like that, fine. Hera, no, it's Rogue One, stuff like that. Clo- closing a nine-part story that's been running for 40 years is not the place to just drop in no. a background character in a major role. No, I agree. I'm totally with you on that. I think uh, they would be mad to do so. And I'm sure they're mm-hmm. not thinking of doing it, but I'm interested to know what they are doing. Hopefully we'll find out in the not too distant future. Uh, so our next message comes from Neil Lowry. Would you like to read that one? I can do. Yeah. Excellent. There you go. Hi, Robin Brad. Just starting to get used to email. Well, it's a relatively new technology. A big thanks to you both for really driving on Talk Star Wars. Okay. The show is wonderful. As an OT era fan, I did love the prequels, and so far I'm enjoying what Disney's giving us. A question for you both. What do you think the legacy of Star Wars will be in, say, 30 years' time? May the force be with you both, Neil Lowry. Thank you for that, Neil. Always nice to hear from you. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this. I don't think it's a Star Wars problem, but I have a, thi- I have a sense that movies of modern the modern era, say like the last 10 years or so, I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to penetrate pop culture in the same way as they used to. Mm-hmm. I don't think the new trilogy will have the same resonance in 30 years that the original trilogy did 30 years from then. I just, I just feel like in their say it's nothing to do with, it's not, not necessarily something to do with star Wars itself. It's to do with pop culture and how fast everything changes and how fast everything moves now. We're in a we're in very much an instant gratification sphere. You know, we have yeah. the social media platforms. The, the, to be honest, they all now kind of market. They're racing to the bottom in how short you can make the interactions. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's gone from Facebook messages to Twitter posts to emojis, and you yeah. know, pictures you can send to people via things like Snapchat that disappear after thirty seconds or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've gone into that kind of disposable. everything's disposable and everything's not throwaway but it's it doesn't have the same lasting power i don't think Mm -hmm. anymore as it used to i mean even you think about the dark Knight's 10 years old and Mm -hmm. yeah it still gets talked about but it's not really penetrated as deep in pop culture as as it deserves to for its kind of subjective quality and it's also its effect on you know had a huge impact on how people take superhero movies how much more seriously people take superhero movies as a you know as part of hollywood and as a kind of in the cultural sense it's mm-hmm. it's it's significantly more powerful than that but at the same time it doesn't really get that lasting appeal like and another good example is avatar avatar is the the highest grossing movie of all time and yet i can't quote you a single line from it and no, i've seen it but it's just it's, it's 
a lot of things seem to be a bit more forgettable and they're not so it, it sold a lot Avatar is very unusual that it sold a lot of cinema tickets but left absolutely no cultural footprint whatsoever exactly you know and I feel like that's maybe that's a kind of extreme example but I do feel like as a general mm-hmm. trend people are less inclined to kind of have things stick with them for longer and the, you know when I talk when I look yeah. at watching a movie when I've got an evening to myself I look further back in my catalogue I go back to you know the Mrs. Doubtfires and the and the original trilogy Star Wars you know and I'll watch mm-hmm. like I say I watched Attack of the Clones the other day because it was on TV quite happily but it's not the kind of yeah. thing I'd go out of my way to go and watch mm-hmm. if I had the choice of how to spend an evening I would go back further and go for something like an Empire or you know, something yeah, something okay. completely not Star Wars related at all, like Aliens or Terminator or, or Event Horizon. Yeah. Event Horizon. Yeah, I mean, I I make no secret of this. <laughs> it's that that's my kind of feeling on it. And like I say, it's nothing to do with Star Wars. I think the 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 things around Star Wars that you, that helped it galvanize in pop culture have vanished. The collectors, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the action figure market is oversaturated. There's tons and tons and tons of new merchandise you know obviously geek stuff has become very chic in the last decade or so mm-hmm. and that's fine you know. we anticipated it doing absolutely so, yeah. it was one of those things we expected to be kind of a flash in the pan and you know mm-hmm. it's not been the case at all it's very much permeated well, the yeah, well, permeated culture it's been mcu has been going for 10 years exactly that you know and you know now that, we get the first avengers movie and they call it a day Maybe that was that was definitely on the you know a strong possibility if things didn't sort of set yeah. the world on fire. But I feel like all the mechanisms around Star Wars that helped it to kind of cement itself in our consciousness have have kind of ebbed away over time. Right. And because of the way we've changed as as a society, I mean, here's a here's another example like of, of a way of a mechanism that does that. Apart from collecting and toys and stuff, The Simpsons. The Simpsons mm-hmm. used to be this immense pop culture force. And it, you know, it would send up famous films and TV shows, and it would reference them in Simpsons episodes to the point where you could quote the the quote from the quote inside the episodes. Yeah. It doesn't that doesn't happen anymore. The, sim, the you know, cartoon series are saturated. There's so many now. There's you know, for every Simpsons, there's a Family Guy, South Park, Steven Universe, Rick and Morty, um, mm-hmm. that god awful looking Thundercats reboot. Um, it's fine. It's not to my taste, but. Mm-hmm. There's so many, uh, you know. We're this is the other thing as well. Is we're we're jumping back to nostalgia projects, you know. The yeah. the, the things that are being announced are Thundercats reboots and Shira reboots and you know reboots of movie franchises and reboots of TV shows and people are after you know old computer like nostalgic re-release of computer games. Shenmue is getting a re-release in HD, a, a game that I had no interest or awareness of at the time it was out. And yet, it's getting this. It's got this huge kind of dedicated following to the point where it's being remade and given a sequel. These mm-hmm. these forces around Star Wars and around pop culture in general have just changed. The landscape's changed completely, and I think yeah. that as a result, that my, that's my sense. Is you know, in thirty years' time, Star Wars will still be a, a huge force, but it won't have gained anything in that time. If anything, it will have probably just. If you imagine it as a kind of everything's on an island and the island is sort of slowly sinking, Star Wars will be above the water, but it's only because it started way above the water. Okay. You know I mean, it started off as the tallest thing on the island and then it's kind of the island sinking. So Star Wars is still yeah. it's still ahead above water, but it's because it, always, it, it was always up there. 
and it's just yeah. the, the level of water has gone up. It's a weird analogy, but I hope it works. Yeah, I'm with you. What do you think? Um, it's such a hard thing to do because um, I do a YouTube series called Fire When Ready, which is about uh, Star Wars tabletop yes, games. I think a few episodes have been on Talk Star Wars. That's everything up um, until the most recent one at this point. Okay, yeah, well, if you, if you check out the website, we're often just having this in a podcast feed, you might have seen them. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I host a show with my dad, and, uh, well, I think it's the first episode. We're just kind of talking about what your first experiences of Star Wars are. And he said, obviously, he saw it in uh, 77. Yeah. And uh, I said, did you think, he said, did you like it? He said, yeah, I was just totally wowed by it. I thought it was a great yeah. film. Mm-hmm. I said, did you think we'd still be here 40 years later talking about it? And he said, well, no, why would you? Yeah, why would you even, why would they even cross your mind? Yeah. He said it was only, you know, he went, I mean, a couple of weeks later, he took his mum and dad to go and see it. So it was mm-hmm. one of those experiences. You know, we've all had that time we've seen a film and straight away you want to share it with someone else. Totally, so it was that yeah. kind of thing. Donnie Darko was mine. Yeah. Uh, it's just that guy, Los Gilles and the Cadaver was mine. Um, <laughs> yes, and yes. just, uh, you want to share it with someone. He said that was kind of experience he has and it kind of did its cinema run. Mm-hmm. And... That was it. There was no video rental. Uh, no. In a few years' time, they might run it ever since they did. In a few years' time, they might come around and again. Yeah. And he said it was only really after he went to see Empire and could see the shift of a culture in Pratt that he started getting that feeling of this is something a bit different. This totally. is yeah. uh, building a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you and I have seen those shifts as well. We grew up not really believing we were going to get the prequels. George Lucas had always made noises about, oh, uh, I was going to do another three movies. Uh, I can't do George Lucas. It just sounds like a try. It's easily Um, done. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we were just left with this, oh, he's he's not going to, is he? He's he's made noises about it, but he's never going to do it. And then we started seeing the trailers and the photos of Daphne and all the stuff turning Mm -hmm. up. Um, and it was quite a big. I mean, people people have divided opinion on prequels, fine, but at the sure. time, the, the running up to it was an amazing time to be a star. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I was sixteen, and I felt like a little kid. I, I had a sticker yeah. album. I was uh, just buying stupid shit because I was excited that Star Wars was back, mm-hmm. and that was a totally different zeitgeist to what my dad went through with Empire and Jedi. Yeah. And uh, the and we I mean the prequels came and the prequels went and we were done again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was just the books and it was just the comics. We just went along and Star Wars was big. Star Wars was was culturally big. Still, people could everyone knew who Darth Vader was. Yep. You could reference Star Wars and be ninety five percent certain the person you're talking to would know what you were referring to. Even if they didn't necessarily know where, it, you know, couldn't point to the specifics, yeah. they would definitely know. That, oh, you're talking about Star Wars, right? Yeah. If, yeah. If, if they didn't like Star Wars, if they'd never seen Star Wars, they would know who Darth Vader was. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Um. And so we just went back to just enjoy, and we enjoyed the books and the comics. We loved the Yu Zanvong War. We loved Legacy. We loved Kotor and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we announced the prequels were happening, and we experienced that the kind of zeitgeist from a completely different angle again, because mm-hmm. it wasn't even like oh, Lucas always said he was going to do these. It was no, they said they were done. You're talking about the sequels now. Yeah, sequel trilogy. Yeah. 
um, the lead up to Force Awakens was like nothing else I've ever experienced. It was like a year of constant excitement. Yeah, totally. From a, yeah, um, it, it was probably about nine, ten months from a first teaser trailer to a movie release. It was felt oh, like yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, and that was just, a, but the sensation of that was totally different to the excitement about a new book coming out, or the excitement about sure. oh, we're doing Clone Wars TV series, yeah. or or even the excitement of, oh, they're finally, you're going to see Anakin become Darth Vader, that whole hype we had running for six years. Yeah. Um, it's, it was just a completely different vibe again. And so I remember, I went to see it with, um, about six or seven, no, loads of us, because we like cousins and stuff, because it's mm-hmm. a big thing in our family, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I was sat between my mum and dad's thought of it. And it was just kind of uh, before the BBFC cards came up, it was obvious the trailers were ending. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at them and said, we never thought we were going to get this. Mm. We'd lived all these years thinking we were done. Yeah. And if I if I think over, I mean, I would say, obviously, I remember being a kid and watching movies and enjoying them. Um, the first time I could be, I could say I become actively involved in a larger fandom was when I discovered there was such a thing as uh, an expanding universe and kind of a run up to Phantom Menace, yeah. that kind of year, um, which is supposed to be ninety eight, ninety nine, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, that that kind of general excitement was when I was kind of first aware that Star Wars was still an active fandom, yeah. and I just think over those twenty or so years. I've just seen Star Wars develop in ways I didn't expect. You know, yeah. we got a bit out, out of nowhere. We got oh, say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was just dropped into Yahoo News one day. There's a new Star Wars film coming out and it's going to be followed by, uh, it's, it's called The Clone Wars. It's a fully animated movie and we're going to do a TV series after that. And that was just, what? We we weren't told any of this. Yeah. This is just a thing that's been announced now. Do you remember when we could be surprised? <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing as well. Is like The world has changed to the point where you know, obviously, we're going to do it when it comes to in the run up to episode nine. We're going to be dissecting things, you know, going through trailers frame by frame. Just to, and part of it's an, an exercise in fun because it's you know you let your imagination go, but mm-hmm. you know the mystery of some of that stuff is just it's it's irrevocably changed because mm-hmm. of the nature of media and the way we consume our news and the way people deli- consu- you know deliver our news to us to react to. It's all changed. It's all changed yeah. completely. And I think that this is what I mean about the world has changed so drastically in 30 years that I don't know, I don't know if I can even guess how it this will be is in 30 a, years. It's difficult. The point, the point I was kind of building up to is if we then look back over that 40 year from 
uh, my dad enjoyed the movie so much he took his mum to go and see it. Yeah. And then, let's like say, me and you being surprised by a CG animated movie, us being surprised by a sequel trilogy, by being blown away by Rogue One, we've experienced and um, savoured Star Wars in so many different ways, and it has continued to surprise us. It yeah. has continued to do things we didn't expect. Um and so when you think back over that well for 40 years, what we've had so far, to try and predict what you're going to get in the next 30 is impossible. It's tr- it's really hard. So I say the, the world is so different than how it used to be, the way we interact with stuff. I mean, I really feel that Star Wars is a pop culture phenomenon that will never be repeated. And they've tr- okay. it's been tried. You know, yeah, that's Lord they've tried. tried and they failed. And yeah. you can see it in, you know, things like I know obviously the Harry Potter series is very popular. I've read the books, I like the books, I've seen the films, I like the films. But mm-hmm. it does strike me that every so often interest in the series ebbs enough that they go, Okay, I have a new movie, have a new book. Because they know that if they don't keep the interest churning, it's just gonna it's just gonna peter out. And those things will mm-hmm. always be there, the stuff that's already been released, and it's never going to go anywhere. Your book's never going to catch fire because they decide not to release any more stuff. But yeah. it's one of those things you just have to keep the interest up. Any other franchise doesn't have this kind of perpetual motion that Star Wars mm-hmm. does for keeping itself kind of interesting to people because there's always going to be yeah. that residual interest just just kind of burning away behind the scenes. Yeah. I think Star Wars doesn't need to do anything and, and kids will still be interested in it. Yeah, because it's, you know, ultimately it's one of the most fantastical stories you can conceive of. It's it's set yeah. a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away with technology we, you know, from the from the minds of a brilliant man comes mm-hmm. this wonderful story that's, like I say, often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah. Ultimately. So, Neil, hopefully this non-committal fence-sitting answer it's is sufficiently... <laughs> Yeah. sufficiently entertaining for you yeah. uh, but glad to see you're um you're getting used to emailing in feel free to keep the emails coming and we'll always read them out on the show we'll be more than happy to do so for <laughs> you sir uh next email comes from matthew gilbert uh so matt cool. writes hi team we're a team i love the word team <laughs> yeah you probably think this team, is a picture team. of my family <laughs> no yay team <laughs> Face, the jewelry man, all of them. Uh, just emailing in response to who we'd cast to play Bane if an on-screen version ever came about. Yes, because okay. we talked about Kane, the wrestler, the day we did. after we recorded, he won yep. the mayorship of Knox County, Tennessee. So congratulations to Glenn Jacobs. Uh, kudos for turning up to deliver your victory speech to Slow Chemical by Finger Eleven. <laughs> Uh, um, well, why wouldn't you? Well, quite. You know, if you've built a career out of uh, being a theatrical, you know, being theatrical, then why not? Do you have pyros? I don't know about pyros. No, I think they're a bit harder to set up in um, public buildings. Maybe Did there's the a bit more. Could tear down the door and drag him out. No, but apparently there were promotional shots of him in his mayor T-shirt with his cane mask on, with the Undertaker sat next to him. So, uh, brilliant. Yep, absolutely. Cannot, you own that, though. Cannot yeah. uh, fault that. So. So Matt writes, um, it took me a moment until I landed on Idris Elba. He has the height down, and I'm sure he could bulk up, and just as importantly, an incredible acting range. Also, the Star Wars universe could do with some more Brits. I'm onto the set. We got a few. They're all villains. There's quite a lot. Yeah, and we're doing right for villains. Um, Uh, (laughs) Well, they're all, I mean, there's a couple of Brits. uh, You and Gregor and and Alec Guinness. Yeah. And. Uh, one, same, one character, yeah, <laughs> one character played by two blokes, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll uh, give you that one. So Tarkin, Hux, um, 
basically everybody on the first Death Star, except for James Earl Jones. Count Dooku. Yep, Count Dooku. Um, I have have theories about Ian McDermott. (laughs) No, he's he's British, isn't he? I was saying, Ian McDermott's absolutely British. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. So... You know, Andy Serkis. Basically, Adam Driver is the only First Order sort of, you know, higher up that's not English. Or British, uh, rather, I should say. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Bullock. Jeremy Bullock, there you go, who sadly announced his retirement from the convention circuit this week. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's earned it. Nobody can argue with that. Totally. Yeah, Dave Prowse. Dave Prowse. Yeah, he's, he's British. He's yeah. British. So he's also, it's, you know. It's not a lot of Brits in Star Wars, is the point I was trying to make. <laughs> So you're saying there's a few? Kenny Baker? Yeah, there you go. So there's there's there are a few. I can't dispute this. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's always, you know, Matt did say simply the Star Wars universe could always do with more. You could always do with more. I'm not doing yeah. that. I was just saying there are, there are more. We're doing okay. We're not under we're not completely underrepresented for sure. No. no. Um so Matt also adds, I'm onto the second book in the Bane series, and it's a great read. Couldn't agree more. They're that trilogy oh, totally, is yeah. excellent. I think I binged all three, so I had difficulty separating them. So, yeah, yeah, I, I did the same. I, I think they were all great. So absolutely, I did the audio books and I yeah. binged those, which is weird because you, you basically just got three versions of Jonathan Davis just yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so he says, "Have a great week, all, Matthew Gilbert." So thank you, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Idris Elba yeah. as Darth Bane. Totally, I'm totally on board with that. That's I brilliant. can see it. I think that's great. Um, yeah, I, I really, Idris, really like that. Give us a call. Yeah, totally, mate. Do it. Um, and if yeah, you want to just come on and talk Star Wars, yeah, yeah, why not? I know you've not been in it, but maybe we can make maybe we can make it like an audition tape. Yeah, we can raise your profile a little bit. We yeah, know exactly. People. You know, we know people, and those, those yeah. people also know people. So yeah, as soon as you know Ron Howard, exactly. You know, we've established yeah. this somehow in our own minds, <laughs> so that's fine. Can buy X. So uh, thank you, Matthew, for that uh, email. Idris Elba definitely gets our thumbs up. Um, yes, totally. Yeah. Couldn't and, agree more. Uh, my wife's not even in the room, but she'll be she able to. Yes. Also she say thumbs it. up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, so our next uh, message comes from D. Would you like to read this one? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, from D. Hello there. This has probably been discussed in a previous podcast, but I was just thinking about that moment in Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan appears to board his ship and flies off planet Utapau, but in fact is on the planet watching the ship take off. Is this actually the first cinematic example of a Jedi astral projecting, predating Luke in Last Jedi? That moment all threw me off, but I guess I just didn't stop to think about it until it popped in my head today for no particular reason. If that's the case, then I personally have one fewer problem with Last Jedi and can be a bit more accepting of the way Luke's death was handled, though it still irks me that the filmmakers find it necessary to systematically kill off at least one main original trilogy character per new episode. Anyhow, if it has already been established that Obi-Wan can astral project, then I think this could be one way of resolving your problems with an Obi-Wan movie. That of, if people see him running around having adventures, then they'd report him to the Empire or Vader or whoever, and he'd have to be hunted down. In that case, Obi-Wan would simply have to astral project himself in such a way that people thought they witnessed his death <laughs> in an explosion. <laughs> oh my god, this sounds like a farce. It's great. Uh, in an explosion, falling off a cliff, or ever works best. You guys are what? I'm just mentally picturing this. Every time someone sees it, he goes, Oh, I better make them think I've thrown myself into this trash compact. <laughs> oh no, a train moving too fast towards me. Ah! <laughs> 
be, I mean, if you're going to do it as a comedy, yeah, totally. The Farrelly, <laughs> Farrelly Brothers Obi-Wan movie would work. <laughs> it's, it's literally every time everyone sees him, he has to fake his own death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I've just, I'd better go over this cliff. Oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> Some Darth Vader's line becomes, I felt a presence I've not felt for about a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have also had concerns about what an Obi-Wan movie would be about. Well, I've always had a problem with the Jedi Order shrugging their shoulders over slavery in Tatooine. They left the planet in The Phantom Menace and seemingly never went back to help the slaves, let alone Shmi Skywalker. Why couldn't there be a movie about Uncle Owen asking Obi-Wan to help him against a gang of marauding slavers, pillaging and enslaving friends of his or even Luke and Aunt Beru? Could be a Mad Max Fury Road type movie, but with Obi-Wan taking on a bunch of crazy aliens. On a small, non-ambitious scale, he could just take on this group of slavers, rescue a few people, and you roll the credits. On the other hand, I would love to see an ambitious Lawrence of Arabia-type large-scale film of Obi-Wan travelling through the desert, taking down slavery in Tatooine. I realise he's in hiding, trying to remain low-key, so why couldn't he simply wear a scarf over his face or a mask to conceal his identity? Lest anyone gripe, he wouldn't have to wear a mask for the full running. T- yeah, we got that for the full running time. <laughs> just for just for whenever it was appropriate, from scene to scene. So basically, in any scene in which he is not actively faking his own death, he would be wearing a mask. <laughs> Anyhow, those are just a few half baked ideas. Maybe they aren't great, but I'm not even a screenwriter. I'm sure there are countless possibilities that a writer could come up with for an Obi Wan film that would still be interesting without disrupting continuity. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, and I hope you're a little more open minded to a Kenobi film. Personally, nothing would please me more as a Star Wars fan than seeing Ewan McGregor back in the role. As always, I love your show. I miss Mark, but you've been doing an excellent job, Rob. Best wishes. None taken. <laughs> um, I'm sure he only means in the hosting capacity, in the uh, uh, administrative. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's All just right. go with that. Uh, so the idea of, I, I love the idea of literally every time he's discovered he fakes his own death in some <laughs> capacity. <laughs> hey, aren't you? Uh-oh. <laughs> I think it's because I was kind of imagining it almost like Family Guy or Robot Chicken yeah. style jump. It's like literally every time he's spotted, he makes <laughs> think he's exploded. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if Dee's familiar with the term orgy of evidence, um, but at the moment the Empire believes Obi-Wan is gone. If they're getting reports of him topping himself 28 times <laughs> a week, they're going to start suspecting that maybe he's not as inactive as they originally thought. <laughs> Rewinded a bit of a point you made even earlier about uh, Obi-Wan kind of hiding himself away on Utapau. It had never even crossed my mind it was a force projection. I, I, honestly, I always and, thought it was the droid. Yeah, I am possibly... Because our, our units, astromechs, can pilot ships autonomously, can't they? I thought he got in, he made, he makes a radio call to someone, possibly yeah. Anakin, and uh, then, yeah, I assumed he snuck out and uh, R4 flew the ship, yeah. which you'd be perfectly capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also accept that they are, uh, George Lucas frequently uh, basically edited with a spoon sometimes. So... Um, it may be I'm wrong and it is supposed to be a force projection or maybe it's not supposed to be a force projection there's just a scene cut of showing him sneaking out of the yeah. ship again I have to go back and watch it again uh, it's been a while 
Yeah, I honestly don't know which is the case. And no. both, uh, both my interpretation of him just sneaking out and the droid flying it works. Dee's interpretation of it being force projection totally works as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it would do, uh, again to- maybe a short one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and fire, yeah, I think force projection has been a thing. It's because um, we came out of this recently. It was another time, thing, wasn't it? Projects. Yeah, there was another time when someone force projects, isn't there? Uh, nothing springs uh, to mind, but I'm sure it has happened. Uh, Rebels. Rebels. Uh, the pilot of Rebels after Ezra steals Kanan's oh, yeah. lightsaber. Yes. Goes back to his house and Kanan force projects to his house. Yes. Um, so I was under the impression it was kind of implied that it's for sheer distance Luke is doing it over that is that was exerting. Yeah. That's kind of my because even, even Kylo Ren says how when he thinks Ray's doing it, he says how are you doing this? This will kill you. Yeah, this should be killing. Like the you know the, the the effort alone should kill you or something like that. You're yeah, not do, you're not so, doing that. You're not doing this. The effort alone would kill you. I think it might even be the yeah, line. Yeah, but uh, a dialogue like that. Um, what it does imply is that as Snoke was actually doing it, it implies Snoke is actually more powerful than Luke. Well, theoretically, yeah. I mean, that's kind of there's a certain, I mean, there's certainly a read from that. More powerful right side anyway, so yeah. Well, easier, more seductive, blah blah blah. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, well, yeah. True. It's a sledgehammer, isn't it? It's not yes to crack a walnut. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, exactly. It yeah. is. Although I find the um, I, I I know what you mean about the multiple the multiple death angle potentially becoming a bit comedic. I really like the idea the the idea that Dee's pitched about the the Obi Wan movie itself, like in terms of having um, you know Obi Wan kind of versus a slaver gang or something like that. And the only and the reason he get yeah. I wouldn't the only thing I wouldn't see from his pitch is Uncle Owen asking for help. He strikes me as too sort of stubborn and proud. It strikes me that Ben would Obi Wan would get involved because Luke was at risk, and that was the only reason he'd get involved. I really don't think Owen likes Obi Wan. No, I got that impression. Dialogue in in A New Hope implies that. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like if he gets involved, it's because up until the point where Luke's life is in danger, he's been on the fence saying, I'm not going to get involved. I can't intervene. And then he sees mm-hmm. it as the will of the force to intervene if Luke's life is threatened. That would be where, for me, that would be the jumping yeah. in point. He would spend kind um, of 20 minutes, 25 minutes resisting the urge <laughs> to intervene and then being forced to by the fact that Luke was in danger. Um, I've... My opinion is not changed. Uh, I do think stuff like this is a great idea for a story, and I think it's a great 
suitable scale adventure for Obi-Wan to be involved in in mm-hmm. the time period. But I do believe these would work better as comics or novels or even video games than they would movies. Yeah, or even like a fixed number of TV episodes. A miniseries would be fine. You yeah, like, like all like the old a, 90s Stephen King adaptation. Or like yeah, or like I've just started watching the, um, the miniseries that predates the Battlestar reboot. The two episodes oh, okay. are sort of an hour and a half each. And uh, I'll tell you what, yeah, I'm, only, yeah. I'm only half an hour in so far, but it's cracking. It really is good. I've heard nothing but good things yeah. about the whole series. Yeah. I've just um, decided Jen's catching up on Bosch on Amazon Prime. And in the meantime, I'm going to do Battlestar. And then when she gets up to speed mm-hmm. on Bosch, I'll, ca- I'll watch it with her. But at the moment, sure. I'm just sitting there going, I know what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> so I'm being surprised by, which is nice. Uh, as I say, yeah. the thing about this, like I say, the idea of the actual plot of this movie that these pitched intrigues me greatly. The kind of Fury Road style, you know, gang of slavers, very bleak color palette totally works. The only thing that doesn't work for me is the uncle Owen in convincing him to intervene. It's purely for me, it would be a a knee jerk Luke's involved. I must, I must resist. Yeah. I must stop them. Yeah. Luke gets taken. Maybe I realize that um, being taken, you know, dealing with people who've been taken is Qui-Gon's territory normally, but it's, uh, you know, Obi-Wan could yeah. get involved in it. Maybe they can make a joke about that. Yeah, again, I feel like that's, that's a comic. Yeah, maybe. This is true. But I say it works. I, I, take your, I, I get what you mean. I think you're right. I think it probably works well as a comic, as a book. A bit like the Kenobi Legends novel was a bit like that. Right. Um, what I would say is um, Ewan still looks very good for his age. He does. This is true. We could just have a Kenobi movie set during the prequel era there's been rumblings about we young, don't young have one. to have kenobi movie take place between three and four no, we can do a live action home wars movie totally Catherine bigelow Why, to direct please oh that, that would work yeah, he totally. doesn't he doesn't it, it's he doesn't look more like alec guinness than he does ewan mcgregor anymore he can no, totally do true. um you know it's it's totally doable, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think you're right. You know, it's it's we. You know, the obvious reason for the three to four gap is there's a big space of time that's not been explained. But actually, there's not. There's an implication that not a lot really goes on there. So you why why what wouldn't you explore? Is, uh, what happens in there is the rise of the empire, which is stuff like uh, Lost Stars and for a lot of the other young adult books are covering yeah. very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they cover very well. Uh, but it is about it's bigger events as for the rise of the empire and mm-hmm. um, Kenobi's on pause. Then, yeah, he's very much honing his skill in the Force. Less is yeah. more, all that. And then you only see him once in Rebels series three for Twin Sons. Yep, and you know that's all the only that's the first time you've seen him since the end of Episode three. You've heard yep. him referenced in Rogue One, but that's it. Mm-hmm. But that works yeah. for me, you know. As a as totally. less is more for Obi Wan works for me totally. I would I would be up for a young Obi Wan. You know, I say a Clone Wars movie would work. There've been rumblings yeah. about pre Episode One kind of Padawan Obi Wan with another character playing him. Maybe he sort of you and is in there yeah. to sort of narrate or to kind of frame it in storytelling. Yeah, like the, the uh, like the Obi Wan journals comics. Yeah, and you you know you could just imagine at the end of the movie and it's like and that's how I yeah that's how I yeah. that's how I got the uh, business on Kate and the Moyne around the control. No matter what Anakin yeah. would tell you. Yeah. 
Something like that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've it been spotted. Hang on. Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> it runs over near his wall. <laughs> <laughs> Just yells out, oh, I hope I don't it's have any ill effects up. from playing with this dynamite. <laughs> uh, oh. Anyway, D. We have had some fun with this, uh, but I do. Yeah. I definitely think there's some stuff in there that I would like to. I'd be up for seeing if they did it. Um, I'm not down on the Kenobi movie. I just, I'd like to see. I think there's better ways of doing it. Yeah, exactly. I, I'd be interested to see how they can make it work if they were to announce it. Believe me, we'd be we'd be optimistic. If, if they do it, then yeah, I'm totally on board. I'm just saying at the moment, yeah. I got nothing. That's yeah, what it keeps coming much. down to for yeah. me. Because basically, I'm not actually a very good writer. Please don't tell anyone. That's the spirit. <laughs> Uh, so D again thank you for your email much appreciated and uh, if you come up with any good you know any further questions of uh, the similar high quality then feel free to send them over okay so we've got quite a listener comms stacked show this week so what we're going to do is rather than take our usual break just before the news because the news is quite short this week we're going to go for a break now so when we come back more listener comms and then some Star Wars news and we're back so uh As this is a listener comms stacked talk Star Wars, yeah, we're going to... Yeah, Do it more often. I love yeah, this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can only do so much about people emailing in, but luckily we've never really had to worry about it. No. People are, people are great at sending stuff in, and more yeah. long may it continue. So uh, our next one comes from Mark G. Why does that name sound familiar? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Did the British sign English for G for some it'll reason? Come, it'll come to me. Um... What do you guys make of the idea that John Favreau's new series might be filmed on an Avatar-style volume soundstage and rendered digitally? So I've included a link to um, a picture of a soundstage, and it basically sort yeah. of gives you a, a, an uh, understanding of how it works. So basically, what a soundstage does, Mark, he's old, yeah, Mark from, uh, oh, he's been on TSW Comics. He's been on a few of them. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's it. I knew it would come to me. So a soundstage, the way they do it is they set up kind of. Uh, a landscape of objects around a room. Right. So they make, they build a set kind of, let's say, in a sort of 50, 50 square foot space. Okay. And they'll dot it around with, you know, things that are meant to represent logs and things that are meant to represent trees and stuff like that. Right. And they'll move around the soundstage, the actors with their motion okay. capture suits on. And what they'll do is they'll capture the sounds that more they, as they move around naturally, they become, you know, they get further away. So they sound less clear mm-hmm. from the sat, from the point of filming. Okay. I guess that's how it works. And then what they do is they take all those uh, motion captures and the soundstage and they composite. Right the digital landscape on top so they can you know like when you see those sort of special effects videos of how they augment croatia to look like king's landing and game of thrones and things like that Mm -hmm. they can do stuff like that with the soundstage they've got you know uh, a cylindrical object along the floor that can turn into a tree log or it can turn into a pipe all sorts of stuff you know they've got options for how they can do it so do you think that's the kind of thing they might employ in Favreau's TV series? Because there's rumblings about it, because I think he'd use the similar technique in the Jungle Book. Uh, it's, uh, the, I'll be honest, most of the making movie stuff, especially more modern approaches, is just not something I know a lot about. Yeah. Um, Does it sound cool? Technologically, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I've seen Avatar back in the day, and it, mm-hmm. it looks good. I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess is this kind of similar to how they did a lot of Revenge of the Sith. I seem to remember was filmed quite 
blue screeny. There's probably a bit of that. Almost certainly, I would imagine for somebody like Grievous would have to do a bit of that. Um, yeah. The, so the best example is, um, I think this is why the questions come up is um, Favreau's Jungle Book rem- I've seen uh, clips remake. Of, yeah. I think that was done using a similar technique. Okay. So that's why the thinking is that maybe he might employ that kind of technique yeah. in his TV uh, series. He's welcome to. Yeah, I, I think I don't, I, don't, I don't have a very strong opinion on this. I'm afraid. <laughs> that's okay. Because to me, it's kind of like I, I'm more excited about the story and what happens. Yeah. In well, I think the series thing, than how he gets there. Yeah. To me, um, I can understand the and when I hear like odd bits of trivia about how a particular shot was put together or yes. how they, um, a, a practical effect was achieved. I find it quite interesting, but I don't. Uh, get uh, majorly into production because I find it a, it's a bit like giving away a magic trick sometimes. Yeah, I um, so I, I I don't really read up on all this stuff, which is why I sound like even more of a duller than usual. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it sounds like it could work. Sure, yeah. I think one why thing it's it? one thing it's probably got a fair bit of um, appeal for, and especially in terms of Star Wars, is I would imagine filming on a soundstage with motion capture suits and stuff like that would give you a ton of scope when it comes to alien creatures. Because if there's one thing I feel like they've skipped on a little bit, and they made a bit of progress in it with Solo, is they don't really have a lot of... They don't seem to have put a lot of aliens on screen in speaking roles. You know, they've had Ankar Plutt in Episode 7. Yeah. Maz Kanata. That's about it, really, that that sticks out in my head, at least. All the other Uh, ones are kind of... They're they're humanoids. Yeah, Snoke's kind of... Un, he's an unknown quantity isn't he really he's mm-hmm. you know it's hard to know what he is but he's humanoid in terms of his look he just it's looks like a sort of pretty battered human pretty emaciated yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um rogue one he probably is human because the first order seems to have kind of the, the most same kind of, of the yeah the same yeah. kind of no aliens vibe unless you're really good at your yeah. job kind of deal yeah, but I mean, apart from the odd Twilight, yeah, they don't tend to... Yeah, um, but then in the same way, Rogue One, I think, is entirely human characters, apart from a couple of Saw's um, commandos. Yeah, like which is the, unusual. Um, yeah, that seems kind of almost a mistrick. It's like they went, oh, we've got all these famous actors in these sort of unusual roles. We don't want to cover them up with a... Mm. with a star wars too much star wars it's but at the same time it worked you know i can't fault it because as a movie it's so good <laughs> it's um, you know yeah but if they could they could but you know alan uh Toyek managed to absolutely know okay to so in that they exactly. could have done you know an alien could, character as well they could have very easily done so and i think they did a good job with um rio durant in solo you know, yes. he had a very kind of he he didn't stand out as unnatural looking to me, despite the fact that he was a four armed kind of chimp like. It was John Favreau, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I imagine he didn't motion capture for that because it's probably quite a strain on his back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and no, I liked that design. <laughs> but he might have done some. Yeah, he might have done a bit of it, but I just I can't imagine yeah. it's it's him doing all the motion capture to the point where one mm-hmm. of his legs has to double up as his butt scratching arm. It just, yeah. I say, just imagine it get quite painful, mm-hmm. just holding those positions. Like you've got to shoot for several hours at a time. Sometimes yeah. you can imagine that gets quite. No, you can imagine that gets quite, quite painful. Uh, yeah, it, it's certainly for planning on doing something which is going to be alien heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have any idea what the Favreau show is about yet, do we? We have. There's only rumor. We're going to cover it. Okay. This is our one news item for the day, um, okay. so we're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but there's, I will say, without kind of going too far into the into the weeds for what's coming later there's 
there is some scope for alien creatures in it, but it, nothing jumps out at me as immediately. Oh well, that's only that's only going to work with aliens. It's a bit of I, a it's a it's it's got room, but not too much. Sure. Um, okay. So there you go, Mark. That's that's our thoughts on the on the idea of a soundstage. I think, like I say, it, complete lack of thoughts from me. <laughs> well, I say I think it it would certainly give them a lot more um, options in terms of how they approach the mm-hmm. characters and the plot and stuff. And uh, so I think I'd be all for it, you know. Okay. Because yeah. it makes for, you know, say in the case of Avatar, in the case of Jungle Book, it seems to have made for very good, good-looking movies. Yep. Because it, I, I have this sense, I don't know if this is something that you could that you kind of feel as well. There's something about CG that's more jarring and more noticeable when the background is real. If it's uh, so, if it's, if you shoot on lo- if you shoot on location with a motion capture actor, yep, and then you go in and CG over the top of the actor, it's going to look more jarring than if you CG all of it. Okay, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, obviously, yes. like a bit like an you know, if everything video game graphics are a good example actually. Mm-hmm. If everything is to the same degree, to the same level of quality, even if yeah. that's not photorealism, it works. Yeah, like using in-game graphics for a cutscene. Exactly. Yeah, sticking with the same yeah. engine for both, rather than trying to jazz it up and look, make it look as pretty as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Something that Epic have always been very, very good at is um, making their in-game graphics look as nice as their pre-rendered stuff, because yeah. they use a similar engine. So, you know, if there's a certain level of consistency, even if it's not the most detailed, it's mm-hmm. a lot less jarring for me personally than if it's kind of, you know, this bit looks really realistic. Oh wait, this one looks well out of whack. Okay. You know, there's a there's a memorable scene for me in the Ben Affleck Daredevil, which you know it's the only thing I'd remember about this movie otherwise, because I did watch a few minutes of it the other day, and it is oh, rough, rough going. It's not dated well. No, that's the well, definitely not. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there's a bit in it where him and Bullseye are chasing each other up a clock tower, and they've yes. CG'd them running up the stairs, and yeah. you can tell so much that it's CG because yeah. the, all the shadows are weird and the uh, bullseye's head looks too shiny and that sort of thing i realize that's a theme with bullseye but yeah but there, there was that kind of probably post phantom menace through to oh they're still doing it now what am i saying um <laughs> it's almost like that ian malcolm lies they didn't stop to think if they uh before thinking if they should they, they were so concerned if they could they didn't stop to think if they should yeah and two of the greatest crimes in b movies for me are cg blood and cg fire they always oh, yeah. look bad they can look really so rough so, so rough. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There you go. So 
soundstage and render digital rendering. I mm-hmm. would say, sure. like I say, I think it's, it sounds like it could make for a much more consistent visual style. So yep. I, I'm all for it. I'm going to uh, say, I'm going to trust John on this one. I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's the one reason we have an MCU after all, or one of the reasons. Well, yeah, totally. One of the reasons any good. There we go. Yeah. Um, so yeah. thank you, Mark, for your email. Uh, always yeah, nice to hear from you. Uh, and then our next message guy. comes from Matthew. Uh, okay. A different Matthew to the Matthew who sent in okay, the previous cool. question. So Matthew yeah. asks, just for fun, which Star Wars characters do you find the most overrated and underrated? I feel like I know your uh, overrated one, but go ahead. My what, sorry? Overrated one. What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to say Boba Fett. No. Really? Okay. He's been picked to the post, yes, for his new character. I think there is far a new, more overrated there than is Boba a Fett. new one at the top of the pile. Yeah. Don't say Krennic or we're going to fight. I'm not going to say Krennic. Krennic is amazing. Yeah, Krennic, we, we are going to come Krennic, to blows, my man. Krennic, Krennic kind of seems to have a cult following. I feel like he's kind of fairly rated at the moment. I think he's about right. You know, he's he's. Yeah. I think everybody kind of likes him because he's a cool character who yeah. has enough. But he works in the film, but he he gets a good arc as well. Mm-hmm. He gets a satisfying resolution whereas Boba Fett you always feel like he didn't really get a chance to do anything cool whereas Krennic you do feel like he was given enough room to look cool yeah and those capes um yeah well yeah uh my overrated but probably almost kind of joint first place for my overrated ones um firstly Poe Dameron Really? Because okay. He's maverick in. He has more, slightly more of a character arc in Last Jedi, but he is maverick in space. Oh, as in the and Top Gun the, character. Yeah, and we're told he's and there's a lot of references to him being a really good pilot, but do we really see all that much of it? He does. We're just kind of told he's a really good pilot. He does 180 degree almost turn. He turns on a 50p with his X-wing, which is pretty impressive. I can do that in Yaris, you know. <laughs> can you? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just, no. I, it would surprise me if anybody could yeah, decide uh, to stick. Uh, people seem to, uh, I think a lot of it, part of it is because he's a very attractive man. He really is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he really, really is. Um, yeah, but the character for gorgeous. me is not, is not quite there. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm kind of hoping he kind of gets, like I say, he was more used in Last Jedi. Yep. Um, I kind of hope there's a big payoff in nine for him. That would be cool. I think he's going to be. Um, I think they've been kind of working him towards the. He's going to have to grow up a bit to look at the bigger yeah. picture. Episode eight was certainly that there was a lot of that in his themes. Was all mm-hmm. about bigger picture. You know, maybe it's maybe it's the battles. You know, lose the battle, win the war kind of attitude. Yes. Um, my most overrated at risk of losing some fans is BB-8. Okay. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's not a character. Yeah, yeah, I he get what you mean. Doesn't contribute to the story really. He's a prop, and it's not even like he doesn't have the personality of R two D two. R two D two is funny. R two D two is lively. R two D two is strong willed. BB eight is not any of those things. How much do you reckon of that is the fact that inside R two D two until recently was an actor, whereas BB eight is a puppet. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's all of it. That's possibly a contr- uh, contributing factor. Oh, yeah, I factor. mean, it's, it's, I'm only thinking um, there's a factor rather I think, than... I think it's largely the script is responsible for it. BB-8 okay. um, is obviously uh, a merchandising vehicle that they have to put in the film. R2-D2 is integral to the story. 
Yeah. Uh, And I get get the BB-8 thing. I do think he's cute. I do think he can be funny. Yeah. Uh, But he is an overrated character. Okay. I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm good with that. Um, What's your overrated then? Overrated is tricky because there's not that many characters that I feel are over like really over the top in terms of you're not going to say Boba Fett either see Boba Fett just feels like a waste rather than an overrated character yeah that's that's what being a second tier character in Star Wars is like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of cool factor that kind of I get I think gets overtly attributed to to Boba Fett but in the same way you could make the same argument about Akbar being overrated it's nothing to do with the character itself it's to do with how fandom has kind of done it to yeah death. gone to him yeah, yeah. Um, i get the initial appeal of boba fett and he is that kind of high plains drifter look and he's he I, he looks cool and he acts cool i think is the drive of boba fett in empire yeah um i mean up until episode eight i'd have said ray but episode mm-hmm. eight they do a re- i think they did that ryan johnson did a really good job with making ray likable and relatable in episode eight whereas i thought she was quite likable in episode seven but i thought that was more about daisy ridley being likable rather than ray i thought i I think part of that was because i liked daisy ridley as a person from all the interviews Mm -hmm. i watched and stuff no i never met her but just everything i watched around her just just kind of i don't know she just she she came off to me as somebody i would probably quite like talking to Mm -hmm. and i would feel you know i'd walk away from a conversation with her going like that was nice yeah, Daisy, if you're listening, come on, Michelle. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. No reason to believe you're not. No, well, quite. You know, we we have numbers yeah. in the conservative estimates yeah. of the. If you don't do it, Richard E. Will. Exactly. Um, I say that up until that, but then, like I say, that was true at episode seven. I don't think it's true anymore. But I feel mm-hmm. like she was given a decent amount of depth in episode eight, which is something I felt like she was lacking in seven. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, you know. I'm really struggling no here. Characters no overrated ones. There's ones that irritate me, and there's ones that I feel they're kind of given too much. Um, like that, it's tricky because sometimes it's not necessarily about the character itself. It might have a wider. Mm-hmm. You know how we talked about how Black Panther might be a really good movie, but it's a it's it's given this kind of grand grander spectacle mm-hmm. by the world around it in which it's released. Yeah. I feel okay. like there's characters like that, like like Rose Tycho, mm-hmm. would be a character like that for me. You know, with kind of somebody who I wouldn't really, I don't really. But then I don't, again, I don't think of her as overrated because I don't really think she's any, anyone rated. Well, no, she's just she's not really anything. You know, like yeah. she just she's a, she's yeah. in the film and she does a you no know, like Kelly Marie Tran does a really good like a perfectly good job. It's not a, a knock yeah. on her performance or anything like that. It's just. There's nothing there for me. There's no. She's, kind, there's she nothing stopped to... Luke from throwing himself off a weather vane at Cloud City. So, so she did in our in our fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, do you want to do underrated and come back to overrated? Yeah, let's do underrated easy? and see and see if I and see if uh, one jumps into my head. I've got two straight away. Okay, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, if they're the ones you think I'm going to say because mm. we know each other, right? Yeah, true, true. I think Lando's going to be in your list. He's not. Oh, interesting. Um, I thought he would be in there because of the the quite impassioned defense you made of him having his own merit for being in episode nine beyond Leia's not about. 
that that was more I felt bad for Billy D. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Lando. Fair enough. Not that I don't love Lando. But no. But I that, think to be fair, you know, between Billy D and Donald Glover, Lando's had a good showing on screen oh, now yeah. anyway. I do, um, so I do, that's not to say I don't like Lando, but that, that wasn't my motivation behind getting cross. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Dooku might be one of yours. Oh, you know what? He might. Because I know you love Christopher Lee. I do. Uh, I do like Duke, and I don't think he gets enough time. He gets more time to shine in Clone Wars. Yep. Uh, he's he's wasted in the films. Uh, the two I was going to say is one I have rated about, raved about being underrated on the show before is General Hux. Oh, Hux is yeah. Hux is such a missed opportunity in Episode Eight mm-hmm. that it makes me annoyed watching Episode Seven <laughs> yeah. because they yeah. went on to then waste him so drastically. Yeah. To just turn him into um, some stupid bloke making dirt faces for mm-hmm. two and a half hours. Ugh. Yeah. Um, the other one is more of a personal one for me, and also because of how great he was in uh, the old expanded universe, his IG-88. Okay. The original tale from the Bounty Hunter story about the multiple IG-88s yeah. is one of the ones that stuck with me. It was just so good. And I think he looks awesome, and I love that he's turned up in Forces of Destiny a few times as well because mm-hmm. I, I have quite a young daughter, and she is obsessed with Forces of Destiny. Yes. Uh, so I get, I get to see IG-88 do stuff every nice. day. That's a good reason uh, for me yeah. to watch it. Yeah, that's a good reason. I thought you were going to go, that's a good another reason, as any to have children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I've always just loved IG-88. It's weird hearing him speak for the first time, though. Okay. Because Imagine just, he like, sounds like a sort kind of, of gruffer, gruffer trade it, federation it, droid. Yeah, it's just a droidy type voice, but I'd always kind of gone, I, in my head he was just kind of mute, I suppose, because yeah. I've never really given him a voice. Just prints um, off stock tickers, and just yeah. they've got, like, Reef of the Sky Punk <laughs> written on them. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's okay, underrated, so isn't it? overrated generally? I would say so, yeah. Um, say, so for me, Dooku would be in my list because I feel like there's a lot of storytelling potential there. Yes. Um, Certainly, they don't really explore the relationship with him and Qui-Gon and him and Yoda often enough. No, this is true. They touch on it, and there's enough there to make you go, ooh, I wonder, you know, I wonder, would yeah. that be interesting to watch? So he's one I'd kind of... You know, I feel like he's uh, he's also underrated in the sense that I think he's quite a menacing mm-hmm. villain in episode two. Yeah, you know. I think a, a lot of the bad guys from two and three, like Dooku and Grievous, I would have said were underrated until they got a chance to shine in the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought of one for overrated. From mm-hmm. Mace Windu. Yes, I'm down with that. What does he do? <sighs> Breaks up a party. Breaks up a party. Um, <laughs> um, goes and gets three of his yeah. Gets three of his, gets three of his mates taken out in easy fashion by um, doing the Bond villain thing and giving him giving away his plan to Palpatine too early. Yeah, uh, he should have at least walked around the corner of the desk before he starts throwing around arrest warrants. You know, it's just yeah. silly. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think he's got a bit of a you know. I think it's there's a bit of a Samuel L. bleed into that character that makes him a bit Very more much. highly regarded. Yeah. Uh, and obviously him in Clone Wars is quite cool. You know, he does some cool stuff, yeah. especially in the Tartoski Clone Wars, um, which I know is Legends now, but he does some really cool stuff in that. But yeah. in the films, I feel like people, you know, rightly sort of enjoy his performance, but I think they attach a little more to it than I would. Yes, I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah, I say I like him, but then there's nobody in Star Wars I really actively dislike in terms yeah. of characters, but... He's one that sticks. No, he's just popped into my head as somebody is like, yeah, he's a little bit too, kind of. 
Oh, I've, and I've thought of an underrated one as well. Uh, oh, cool, yeah. Cassie and Andor. Okay, yeah. I think he's absolutely fantastic in that film. He's yeah. he's deep, he's complicated, he's got this fantastically dark backstory that you don't hear enough about. He's, you know, he grounds Jin when she's, you know, uppity and self-righteous, and he just shuts her down effortlessly, you know, and she's mm-hmm. and she kind of grows as a character as a result of that. He's just he's fantastic, and he's a cold-hearted swine as well because of you know he, yeah. he wipes out one of his friends at the Ring of Kafrian just because he's he's like basically he's sort of leaving him there for for mm-hmm. other people to sort of take out and yeah. they can sort of take take the heat off him. I just, I just think mm-hmm. he's he's really rich in terms of his characterization. Yeah. They give a they give him a lot of. Yes, space to play in, and he does. And Diego Luna does such a good job in that character as well. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And obviously the dynamic um, with him and K two is fun, um, and he also kind of plays nicely as a straight man off K two silliness. Yeah, it just totally. everything about that character is is bang yeah. on for me. Um, here's what could be a fun challenge for the listeners. All right, let's do it. Um, take an incredibly minor character and explain to us why you think they're overrated. Pick so a, just give us an example. Do you know I think he's really overrated? Yeah, here we go. Moff Jared. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you know who people won't shut up about? Gold 2. <laughs> Pray Vizsla. <laughs> Chancellor Valorum. Why does he get an action like? figure with a control chip? <laughs> I like that. That could be fun. Yeah. I'll see that in the Patreon and uh, yeah. give, get and collect the collect the best ones and put them right there on the fridge, yeah. on the right of the virtual fridge. Yeah. There you go, Matthew. That's Hopefully, so that's uh, some good ones for you. So uh, enjoy yeah. those. Uh, do you want to read the next one? Comes from Adam yeah, at Retro sure. Inc. I shall just pull that up. Yeah. So Adam at Retro Inc. is obviously the newest member of the Commonwealth, one one half of the newest yes. podcast in the Commonwealth, and uh, okay. he's just sent me over a piece of music that I might work into the talk star was intro we you and i've oh, discussed awesome. it before brad yeah uh from adams i'm oh, sorry from adam s hey guys question for the podcast and a fun test of your knowledge in the empire strikes back Han gives a hint to being in the former employee of the empire by showing his inside knowledge what was it kind regards and may the force be with you adam adam s from the retro inc podcast patreon vip and Knight of the commonwealth yes indeed so he's uh you know, he's working on that business card. He's he is, uh, making yeah. it hefty as it it's all. It's going to be a business you know. pamphlet by this point. Absolutely, and there's no harm in that. You know, as mm. uh, we, you know, men of many projects ourselves, we can relate to this. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I knew, I knew the answer to this one. Yeah. And I believe you did. I would imagine you did too. So, mm. uh, for the benefits of the listeners at home who might be, you know, who might have it on the tip of their tongue, what's the answer? You know, it started to throw his vent the garbage before going into hyperspace. Very true. There you go. So there's your answer. So, um, Adam. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sent through the exact quote 
because um, he sent through a question then and answer in the following bit. If they okay. follow standard imperial procedure, they'll dump their garbage before they go to light speed. So he had a follow-up question about that. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why was, do you think it's overrated? <laughs> <laughs> why was Slave 1 hanging out with the garbage, or had he spotted the Falcon fixer the destroyer? What do you think? I think he's... Um, either he had spotted the Falcon, mm-hmm. or he didn't... He was suspicious that Han would wait for the Empire to disappear before revealing his location. He possibly thought the Falcon was still in the asteroid field and was waiting around for the larger threat to dissipate before he followed on. Maybe. Yeah, I've, I've, some, I've often wondered if maybe he'd seen somebody do use that trick before. Oh, that totally works. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that in a solo movie, yeah. The other possibility, this is a bit of a deep dive, but... Bear with me. Standard Imperial Procedure may have started in the Republic era. Mm-hmm. And Boba Fett, obviously, is a, cl- is a clone of Django. Now, he hasn't been through all the combat training, but he might nonetheless have, you know, retained mm-hmm. a trick from yeah. Django. You know, Django's not memory, but, you know, that, that yeah. might be a trick that... That makes sense. You know, comes to hit in somebody with the same mind might come to the same it is, it is a deeper question and I suspect it's probably been answered somewhere in the bowels of Wikipedia okay why have you got to dump your garbage before you go light speed I don't know if they have to is it just to flush the Dianogas out maybe yeah it could just be to, to make maybe it makes travel quicker more fuel efficient maybe yeah maybe just for the yeah. purposes of... I mean, obviously, they use fuel because episode eight, there's the whole... We're I suppose out you, go for a, you go for a wee before you go for a long drive, I suppose. There you go, yeah. This is it. You yeah. know, the number of times they've gone through asteroids, they're going through hyperspace and the side of has to stop and say, oh, well, yeah. I should have gone before Master I went. Jared needs to go again. He <laughs> won't shut up that guy. Yeah. Oswald didn't go before he went. It didn't go before we left again. And <laughs> Vader's like, one more time, that guy. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> One more, one more thing, and he's done, mate. He's. I'll tell you what, right? He's like, oh, I'll tell you what. Whoa. Oh, you, mate, you need to dub over some clips of Vader. There's supposed to be an, there's an app or something I've seen recently that lets you dub over stuff from films and TV. I want to find it, and I can't remember what it's called. Because if I could do that, it just, oh man, the 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 alternate TSW takes of Empire Strikes Back would be something else. Dub smash, dub smash. That sounds plausible. Do, do you say dub smash? Yeah. Okay, I'll try that because that might be what I'm thinking of. I've seen it in the. It's one of those things, you know, when you see an app in the corner, the name of an app in the corner of something. Yeah, yeah. I saw a clip that somebody had made using this app, and it was hilarious. And yeah. I thought I'd stored away the name of the app for future use, but mm-hmm. I've forgot since forgotten it. So I didn't store it away in a deep enough yeah. cabinet. Uh, but there you go. So yeah, yeah. So you know, we we know the answer. You know, if you're playing along at home, then hopefully you did too. If not, yeah. hopefully you weren't far off and you sort of got the ballpark. Uh, as to the Boba Fett thing, I say I, my sense is he's either seen he's known Solo to use that move because obviously they probably cross paths mm-hmm. while working for Jabba the Hutt, or yep. he knows that tr- he knows that trick because that's what he'd do in that situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe he was walking to the maybe he was walking to his ship and he heard. Um, Somebody say, "Oh, you know, we got to dump our garbage before we go, and the, you know, we got yeah. a, we've got a st- one that's stuck on from last time." 
The real really question is why ship. no one just looks out the window and sees the Falcon stuck to the side of a well, Star Destroyer. They they send that up in the uh, the Family Guy one. They're sort of like, oh, oh he's out there, and you just you see the other Star Destroyer go past, and the Falcon's just sat there. I <laughs> know, um, oh, is it or is it the Jedi one where they do the uh, Vader's on that ship? It's your imagination, kid. No, there he is. Look, hello, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But says, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like they've done that. I, I feel like they've sent that up on the Family Guy one. There's something, something, oh, something I've, dark. I've, I've see, I have seen all three of them, but only the once. So I, I enjoy back, them. back when they first came out. Yeah, I, I enjoy them. I think Jedi is actually probably one of my favorite. My favorite one out of the three. Because oh, really? Okay. I love. There's something. It's so silly, but I love that bit where they're just spending. They're doing the John Williams from from. Mm-hmm. From and they're just nodding at each other, and it's just getting more and more elaborate and ludicrous yeah, okay. to the point where they're actually nodding yes, at John Williams to make the noise. Yeah, and then it just cuts in with a random film, and I don't know what the film is. I've always meant to look it up, and it just goes, "Well, we're waiting." <laughs> and then it just does, the, and then it does the set piece from there. It's just something so delightfully silly about that that just always tickled me. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Thanks, Adam, for sending that one in. As I say, Adam is the, from the Retro Inc. podcast, newest members of the Commonwealth Network. He's also a Yay. knight of the Commonwealth and a talk star, one of our beloved Patreon VIPs. Mm-hmm. As I say, as the pamphlet grows ever in size. Yes. <laughs> it's got a new roller banner done. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. People are doing them. Yep. They seem to be, a, they seem to be a, increasing the... Uh, Common trend because the price seems to be going down. All the banners. Yeah, I've, I've got one. It costs about thirty quid. Yeah. yeah, they're not bad. They're really quite reasonable. Yeah. Um, right. So our next one is another Adam, but it's Adam K this time. Okay. Um, so maybe we should start numbering them. Well, no, I think surname letters work as long as they don't have the same one twice. Well, in, this case, in this case, they don't. So you know, Adam K was recorder uh, saying I suggested it. So when another Adam K or another Adam S turns up, all right, fine. I'll keep that in mind. Episode yeah, 131, I'll make a note of it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty not, right I'm, I'm right over, not, I know not everyone has two surnames. So, you know. No, it's fair. It's fair. Um, so, yeah, Adam K uh, has been kind enough to write into us, I think, several weeks in a row now. Um, he was His was the question last it's week. The name about, I'm becoming familiar with, yeah. Yeah, it's what we do in charge of Lucasfilm. Um, yes. And I think we agreed more um, keep the trailers ambiguous was the main one we took away mm-hmm. from that, which I think is still true. Yeah. Um, yep. So Adam writes, hey, Robin Brad. Last, last week, while hearing you discuss what Disney should do going forwards, I heard Brad chime in, more books. Sounds like something you'd say. It does sound like something yeah. I'd say. It's yeah. on your to-do list as well, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. This got me thinking, uh, what are some good novelizations you'd like to see? Maybe some stories that are better written in a, fo- a book form than on screen. I've come up with two that I'd really love to see happen. One would be a Boba Fett book. As I've said before, I agree with Brad in that a movie centralizing Boba Fett would ultimately be a bad decision. I'd much rather read a book on him instead. Fair. Another mm-hmm. story I would love to see written as a novel would be about the Cloud Riders with an emphasis on Emphis Nest. I think there's a lot of mystery around the character in the same way Fett is recognized to have, which helps build lore and curiosity around her. I really want to learn more about the character and the stories that's attributed to her. She's a fresh personality that has a lot of potential reach and adventure that would be best put into a book. I have an idea to start this out. I can see a story with her years ahead of the solo movie, constructing the starting blocks of the rebellion with the help of a familiar character we know in Princess Leia. While gaining mm-hmm. her trust, Leia gives Enfys Nest orders to span the Outer Rim, to use diplomacy and find allies to help build a resistance to the Empire's reach in the galaxy. I see a lot of room for a fresh and elaborate story in this that branches from the start of the saga. It'd be cool to know there are distant side plots going on under the surface of the story we currently know. 
It would be a fitting tale for the quote Enfer's Nest lives by and has inscribed on her helmet. Oh my. Until we reach the last edge, the last opening, the last star, and can go no higher. That's lovely, that. Really like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just thought it'd be a cool story to look further into and add more depth to a fun side character. What do you guys think, and what are some book ideas you'd like to see brought into Star Wars? Best, Uh, Adam Kay. He really does give us his best. He's the best Adam Kay, yeah. Yeah, and every week he gives us his best. I really, this is a great question. Yeah, it is a good question. So, uh, uh, when he says, what are some good novelizations do you like to see? Are we meant to take that as original stories rather than novelizations? Yeah, so in terms of like, which, if you could pick a character maybe that you think is underserved. Yeah. Maybe stick them in a book. I think a Cassian and K2 story would be a good book. Yeah, they they did one Rogue One book. They did Catalyst, and there was one around uh, Chiritamoy and Baze Maldus as well. Yes, yes. Which was fine, but yeah, they they could have... And I've got a feeling there might have been a Genoso one as well. That sounds right. I think it was, is it Rebel Rising or something like that? Thank you. I think it was... That one. I think that was more of a young adult aimed one than the um, others a lot of the, a lot of there are more young adult books coming out than adult novels at the moment and to be yes. honest i don't really mind most of them are really good that's fine i mean every any book is a kid's book if the kid can read right uh, most star wars movies are kids movies so it's, there you go. it's fine exactly yeah. so it's like so there's no kind of you know if anything i find yeah. sometimes young adult stuff is good because it's a little bit easier to get into you know and it by virtue of being for kids, sometimes it does feel more like Star Wars than some of it. I, I dig some of the deeper, darker stuff as well. Yeah, but they sometimes lose for feel for me. Yeah, I get, I get what you mean. There are some of the uh, new canon yeah. books that I found especially hard to read for various reasons, um, whether it's stylistic or just boring. I mean, like Tarkin is good, but it it's, is yeah, it's, it's by nature you know of the actually, character. It's car- the character is covering. Re- I haven't reread Tarkin since seeing Rogue One. Maybe I should. Maybe, yeah. I need to finish it because I don't think I ever finished it. Yeah. Um, uh, Boba Fett book, movie centralizing Boba Fett would be a better decision, a book on him instead. Yeah, fine. I mean, there's been Boba Fett books in the past. There was really, the, uh, yeah, yeah, there was the Tales from the Bounty Hunter, right? Yeah, it was good. There was a Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy, which was three books, which really should have been half a book. There was a mm-hmm. lot of padding in there. Right. Um, obviously, was it a legacy of a four series and like Bloodline and stuff? He yeah, turned he turned up, up, didn't he? Yeah, an older one, much older. Yeah. Yeah, because his daughter was quite an active character. That's right, yeah. No, escapes me. Sintas Vell? That sounds right. I don't, I, no, I don't know, to be honest. Eileen Vell was his daughter. There you go. Or daughter, maybe. Can't remember. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Um, it's not canon anymore, anyway. No, course. it's fine. It's legends. Uh, so whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, a story about Cloud Riders. I'd on love to, yeah, I'd uh, love to yeah. see that. That would be an so, excellent use of it. Um, and that would be a really good vessel for Enfys Nest, I think, as well. Is, is that one of those ones where you do you really want it or do you like Enfys Nest to be kind of mysterious? Do you want her to get Boba Fett and you get everything explained about her? I think you could probably do a book and no more, and that would be enough. I think that would be just okay. enough. I think, I think yeah. there's so little about Enfys Nest and the Cloud Riders in the film. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much there in terms of stuff they allude to and they hint at. Yeah. But they could easily tell us a complete satellite story that, like Adam says, goes later than the later than Solo, years later, yeah. in the sort of early stages of the rebellion, in the sort of time of the second series of Rebels, when Leia's kind of just starting to do just covert started. missions. How do you feel about Sintas Vel? Yeah, sorry. How do you feel about Enfys Ness being involved in the rebellion? Because I was under the impression she kind of was out for herself. That might her, be, uh, I mean, that might be how they frame it. Yeah. Um, 
I see. So this is where I would be in one of those situations. I, I don't know if I, you and I talked about it or whether I talked about it much earlier on when it came to the Last Jedi. I really felt like DJ had a redemption arc that we never got. And I actually thought that BB-8's inclusion as the pilot of the ATST was a missed trick, where they could have had DJ because he was a you know he was a code cracker, and mm-hmm. he was a sort of machine hacker. He could have you know they could have left it ambiguous as to why the ATST chose to do what it did when it did, and it yeah, could have okay. been sort of up in the air as like did DJ do that as kind of an equalizer, as a way of okay. sort of evening the score and you know showing that actually he's kind mm-hmm. of a little bit more virtuous than he's given credit for. Yeah. The fact they didn't do that disappointed me. And the fact that he's not in the list of casting for episode nine concerns me that he's not going to have any more part in it in the star Wars saga, which is a shame because I feel like he's got um, more, there's more story there. He'd be yeah. a character I'd be interested in learning about. Yeah. He, I, he, I can see him having more stories, but I can also understand why he's not in line as well. He is a mistaken uh, identity case to be fair. So, you know, he is because they can't get because Justin Theroux is kind of set up to be the the hacker they want. Right. The the expert slicer. And DJ is just a sort of opportunist. Yeah. And, you know, they use him out of a lack of other options. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just feel we could have done a redemption arc with with that Venom of Mirrored Lando too closely. Maybe that's the thing they're steering. You know, yeah. Maybe they're trying to steer clear of it. But it's just, I say, it's a shame because I, I know he got a bit of stick for how the, you know, the performance and the stutter and things. But I really liked the fact that he was morally he was grey. Very good at playing Manisha Dutra. Yeah, but I, I liked the character as being morally grey and that kind of mm-hmm. grounding for the heroes. As you know, it's not all black. It's not all black and white. There is a little yeah. bit more grey area than you than you seem to be aware of. Okay. I liked that element of the story, and it was disappointing to me that they don't seem yeah. to be going down, you know, exploring that more. Because by the end, it was—I've I've been on—I banged this drum a lot, but uh, yeah. by the end, for me, Last Jedi was a binary good and evil story, which I was sort of hoping for. I was hoping for something a bit deeper than that. But DJ as a me, story, since me part of the trouble over Last Jedi, I thought it was too grey, and I wanted it to be more black and white. That's interesting, isn't it? That we can both, in, yeah. you know, both come to the same film and come come both at it from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just be natural contrarians for each other's yeah. uh, for each other's perfectly <laughs> perfectly valid subjective opinions. Um, yeah. But there you go. You know, it's it's. Um, to, you... As far as emphasis working for the rebellion, um, I see my take on it would be: Would she kind of want to keep the cloud riders separate from rebellion, but kind of? help move things to behind the scenes. Yeah. Would you, would you kind of lose face to be seen to be working alongside another group? Yeah. Which then raises a question, how about Emphasis Nest is working with Princess Leia to get the start of a rebellion in place, mm-hmm. but every time she gets seen to be with Princess Leia, she has to fake her own death. <laughs> That's never going to stop being a thing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh dear me <laughs> that would be something you know i mean yeah. that's be easy easily done it's like you know <laughs> that old song leader of the pack say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, just imagine that if it's just every verse is a different death. <laughs> <laughs> Just this idea of you know, this leader of the this song leader of the pack, and it's about the same bloke dying over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and then every time he's slightly less important in the pack. <laughs> so by the end, he's like, he's in the pack. <laughs> Gradually demoting himself. Yeah. <laughs> Following just behind the pack. <laughs> Freaking out the pack. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm down for more emphasis stories for sure because I've yeah, found such, I'd such be up for that. I say, and I like the way yeah. Adams framed it as well. Like it's a Cloud yeah. Rider story, but it benefits the rebellion, and you know, by yeah. the end they're sort of working <laughs> with them, but not for them. Uh, what are some books ideas that you'd like to see brought into Star Wars? I want them to to do some more Bane stuff because they've removed the coolest Bane stories from canon. Uh, I want them to read. Oh, Re- old history. Yeah, they definitely need to do old Republic stuff. Yes, for sure. There's so much there. Wealth of stuff there. Yes, there's such a big space to play in. Um, it's just mad to me that they wouldn't. Yeah. Um. Once nine's done, do we want them to push the story forward in the books and comics like they did with the old EU after Jedi? I feel like that's where they're gonna they're gonna use that space to tell new film stories. That's my sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, you know it's based on nothing at the moment. It's just a vibe, but that's that's kind of where I see them going. I feel like they're going to continue moving forwards in the story with the films, and then you know plug in the spaces with TV, books, video mm-hmm. games. More video games would be nice. Oh, um, I really would. I would play the hell out of a game that's about the Cloud Riders, and it's got you know they could put in some of the sort of you know they could modify a motorbike a driving games mechanics for certain bits of the story yeah and just get to you know use it to sort of get from place to place maybe have like a sort of semi-open world with a Mm -hmm. with motorbike with the sort of the cloud rider bike the swoop bike piloting stuff and then in between you do sort of you know gang heist missions that sort of thing yeah that'd be pretty cool is there a a jedi game has been announced fallen order so okay. Fallen, Fallen Order is the um, it's between episodes three and four, and it's about the the Jedi in the aftermath of Order sixty six. So presumably they're saying you're going to play as a sort of Jedi trying to avoid the Empire and trying to sort yeah. of get to the end of the story and stuff. Yeah, I don't know though. <laughs> what happened? How did you manage that? Uh, I was just picturing, you know, you play something like Dishonored or uh, Assassin's Creed or Sniper Elite. When you kill someone, you have to hide their corpse so someone doesn't dis- didn't discover it. Yeah, I just meant to picture having to hide several of your own corpses to cover up your fake death. <laughs> or maybe you have to leave a corpse in plain sight. To the- <laughs> you actually have to take one that you you stealth killed and move them into the light, making it really easy for them to be found. <laughs> 
Oh, dear me. We're having some fun here. Oh, nothing is going to break us in the cinema for episode nine quite like discovering Snoke faked his own death. <laughs> Everybody else would be like, wow. And we're just like, <laughs> I don't believe it. And all we'll be hearing is vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> Plagueis thing and the Sidious Plagueis yeah, dynamic. The Sidious book was great. Yeah, and actually, exactly, the, you know. the original Sheena book kind of reframed Phantom Menace. It was really clever. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's, that's, so it got, because it actually started, uh, or it ended around the same time Phantom Menace ended. Okay. It was really clever. And a lot of like machinations behind the scenes were reframed, much like Rogue One kind of reframes. Yes, and you uh, hope. And you hope yeah. Darth Plagueis reframed little bits of Phantom oh, Menace. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, nice. Yeah, uh, and new stuff as always. I think would be great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sure. And most of the novels and stuff we're getting at the moment, with the exception of like young adult stuff, is uh, they are character focused yes. at the moment. Getting, yes. Well, that's why we're getting a Tarkin book. You can tell because it's called Tarkin. We're getting a Darth Vader book because it's called Lords of the Sith and Darth yeah, Vader's. Yeah. This one is obviously a thrawn one. Yeah, there's, yes. uh, they're all very character focused. There's yeah, nothing with the, ex- with the exception, I guess, of like the Wendig stuff, which is kind of. But then that's telling that's a, lots of different that, small stories over it, a short it, period of time. The, the aftermath trilogy. Um, I need to revisit because I only did the first one, and I was a little bit disappointed of it. But also, I didn't realise it was part of the trilogy. I was expecting it to be. Uh, okay. kind of the story, so I didn't yeah. read this. I I uh, gave them a go. I could. Like, I found the writing style. I find present tense writing for fiction very peculiar, and it doesn't. Uh, it's not it really, my when doesn't it doesn't, when it doesn't work, it ruins it for me. When it works, yeah. when it works, it's bearable. Like I've read the yeah. um, the first Hunger Games, and that's most. I think that's mostly present tense, and that kind yeah. of worked to a point. But um, yeah, when it ta- when it doesn't um, work, it takes me right out of the story. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd go to a bookshop and look up what it was called since a while since I read it, but there's a young adult series called uh, Adventures in Wild Space. Oh, okay. Um, that was like just, I think it's kind of just after mm-hmm. um, The Empire Starts. Yeah. And that was a fun uh, kid series. But they're all original characters, really. I don't, apart from, I think Tarkin gets mentioned in the very first book, but other right. than that, all totally original characters and that's okay, nice. really well. Um, I, and, you know, I've got me to the end of the episode and I haven't mentioned Lost Stars yet and I probably should because that's just um, amazing and original character driven for the yeah. most part. Um, I think there's scope for original characters in the books. Sure, absolutely. I mean, even when they, um, you know, even when they, t- they tread on familiar characters, they still throw a few new ones in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Dr. Aphra in the comics is a, a sort of side character in the Vader comics originally, and she got her own run it's, after that, you know. So yeah, they, yeah, they that's great. can definitely come, no, you know, like come about. I've read, I, you know, I like what I've read. Yeah. 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 Um, right, so that's – there we go. So that's hopefully given you a few to think over there, Adam. Hopefully you, you agree with our choices, and if you don't, then feel free yeah. to email in and, and come up with some other ones. Although, like I say, what you've done is – what you've come up with is very, very good. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd be well on board for the Amphis Nest one. Absolutely, one hundred percent. 
Right. So the one piece of Star Wars news we have is a rumor, but it seems to be quite well. You know, there's there's nothing in here that says to me it's it's outside the realm of possibility. I mean, I've read okay. I read some weird take this week that they'd split episode nine into two, and that seems to be based on absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, well, yeah, they, they said a little base because of it. That's a thing. Other students done before. Yeah, and Harry Potter and Twilight, and let's just look at what happened, shall yeah, we? Yeah, quite. You know, and twi- and let's be fair. I mean, Twilight. There's nothing they could they could have split that last one into eight films. It wouldn't have saved it. I've, I've read the book. I haven't Breaking seen the Dawn Part Two is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life, and I've yeah. seen some real shockers. <laughs> I really <laughs> have nice, seen some nice shock. Save. Yeah, I've yeah. really seen some shonk, and I've had to deal yeah. with a lot, and I've seen some stuff. And Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two is still one of the worst films I've ever seen. Okay, it's really, really bad. Yeah, I, I have read all of them. I think I've seen the first two films. I gave up after that, and yeah, I might I have been yeah, that's fair. I only, to be fair, I did go from naught to Breaking Dawn Part Two, so maybe I wasn't the best market for that. <laughs> the best. Uh, I knew the I knew the rough story of what was going yeah. on. It's basically just lo- a couple of teenagers heavy breathing it's at each Dawson's other for Creek four movies. Vampires, yeah, yeah it's a couple of teenagers heavy breathing at each other for four movies, and then nothing happens. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and I could do it. Yeah. So, what's what's the Star Wars rumor? So, the rumor is that uh, John Favreau's new series will follow the, the Mandalorians okay. in the aftermath okay. of the Empire's demise. Very bold, because the Mandalorians haven't been seen that side of well, a little bit of Rebels. Yeah, um, if they want to do it, cool. Yeah, well, they've, and, given, they've given um, Mandalorians a fair bit more de- uh, depth in the new canon than they did really in the old, because the Mandalorians in the old, so feel free to jump in if, if I've missed anything off. The bulk of the stuff for the Mandalorians for me was the Old Republic. You know, in, yes. in Kotor and stuff, they did a ton yeah. of you know Kotor and the connected materials mm-hmm. there. There was a ton yeah. of stuff about the Mandalorians. It didn't really until it wasn't really until the Legacy of the Force. Is it Legacy of the Force, the ones with Darth Cadus. It's Legacy of the yeah. Force, isn't it? Because Legacy, Cadiz, yeah. which is the comics, and there's Legacy of the Force. Yeah. yeah, Legacy of the Force is the first time you start seeing the Mandalorians turn up again in any great depth. Yeah, they very much just did their own thing. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of disappeared. So they've definitely, mm-hmm. I feel, given them more relevance in a modern, in a sort of more up to date context in in the new canon than they did in the previous. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very present in the Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're they're almost everywhere. And Rebels, they yeah. turn up. They're still they're you know they're on the back foot but they're still very much a force to be reckoned with and they sort of turn well, up towards the end of series three when sabine kind of goes through her arc say, and, and a central character is a mandalorian exactly yeah and she kind of yeah. gets much more of an arc with the mandalorian stuff tied in more heavily in in series three i think it's about midway through uh, mm-hmm. and then i think in series four they turn up again well i haven't got that far yet so i don't yeah. know but um yeah I, I think they've done a really good job of kind of building the Mandalorians back up to be somebody of yeah. note in the news canon. So I think it makes some sense for them to turn up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of interesting bits out of these rumors. Like so, I say, to be honest, as long as I make them cool, that's fine. Totally, yeah. Because um, I, I have I have a Mandalorian tattoo, and the idea that this comes out and it just makes them out to be like a massive bunch of pans is really annoying me. <laughs> uh, so the, so the, ter- the series has a, uh, 10 episodes, Okay. Uh, we'll begin production. Is this rumor or confirmed? Sorry. I think the the episode number, the number of episodes is confirmed. Uh, the production okay. is rumored to be starting in October, which would fit pretty well. 
Yep. And uh, the rumored budget is $100 million. Wow. So I've given a few, okay. I've got a few numbers in the show notes for context. Uh, Star Trek Discovery had 120 million rumored, but that was for 15 episodes. So they're about $8 million yep. a piece. The final series of Game of Thrones, they say it could get, for six episodes, it could get as high as $90 million. So that's $15 oh, really? million dollars okay. an episode. But then they are, I think the six episodes are going to be much longer. No. Uh, and then the new Middle Earth series has reportedly cost $1 billion for five seasons, but that would presumably be inclusive of the rights acquisition and all the associated yeah. costs along with that, as well as production. I don't think that's just production budget. Yeah. That would be a mad. billion. Yeah, I mean, a, bit, for a five billion seasons. for five yeah. seasons. Yeah, that's, that's a hell of a jump. That it really is. Yeah, um, I've not really heard much about that apart from it's rumored to be Young Aragorn as first series. Yeah, um, which you know that's cool. Sounds cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, a hundred million is the rumored budget. Ten episodes. That to me says you are going to make the most of of modern tech. So the, the mm. idea of doing a sound a digital rendering over a soundstage that totally fits to me. Yeah, um, and I think you know if you're gonna give some money to somebody to make something of that kind of caliber. John Favreau is a really good yeah. pair of hands for that. I mean, it was a stat I've just looked up, so I remember kind of half seen it, but saying there's a million to a billion is, is a hell of a jump. Yes, for sure. Because um, uh, a million seconds is 11 days, 14 hours. Yep. A billion seconds is 31 years, eight months. There you go. This is It's a huge jump. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's... You know, it's many times over jump. So yeah. I'm trying to look at the moment because I'm interested in the budget for the Jungle Book remake. Okay. Because I want to see what he kind of got for his money there, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of how he... Uh, so Jungle Book, tw- I think it's the 2016 remake budget. So the rumored budget for that is... Oh, that's helpful. Well, someone's edited Wikipedia. No, it's, it, I'm looking at. Uh, <laughs> what you're going to say? Someone's edited and uh, edited. So the budget is your mum. <laughs> your mama. Uh, let's see. Uh, 154 million. Okay, I've got 175 production. estimated. So that's yeah, that's somewhere between 150, million is production budget. Yeah, so one, is everything. One, 150 to 175 estimate is a pretty seems like a pretty consistent ballpark for a film. Yeah, yeah, for a film that's kind of you know that's probably about right for a blockbuster, isn't it? Because yeah. Solo was 250, but that was with extensive reshoots. Well, yeah, that's basically so, the cost of two films. Yeah, yeah essentially, because you're basically talking about 175 percent of production time. Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes sense that that would be significantly larger. Hundred, I mean, a hundred million dollars will get you a lot in terms of yeah, technologically technological achievement. Well, I would mean, say just to probably spend it on tech. But, yeah. yeah, I could find I could find all sorts of fun stuff to you know. My Black Series collection would be pretty hefty, I think. But I'd also yeah. have three mansions to store it in. You know, hundred million. You know, you know, hundred million. You gave Armour Barnes. Yeah, why? Uh, he's trying to do a one eighty in a Toyota Yaris, and he says he's done it once. <laughs> He's been through 10 Yaris's already, and he just seems to be spending it on Yaris's petrol and yeah. snacks. He's, he's vehement. It's probably Yarai is the plural. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I'm not sure how that works. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to be in line with high production TV of the sort of current mm-hmm. era. So like I say, Discovery is kind of the big one yeah. at the moment. That's 8 million or so per episode. 
So eight, okay. you know, ten million rumored is probably about right if you want to sort of mm-hmm. if you want to produce high quality Star Wars stuff. Now, what's interesting about it is it makes me wonder what if you wanted to go down the digital stage route, why would you need to do that for Mandalorians? Is it just the armor and stuff that you want to kind of superimpose over the top? Because that didn't really work well for Green know. Lantern. Oh, Revenge of a Sith isn't Commander Cody's. All his armor was CG, wasn't it? Yeah, and it just there's something about it that looks a bit too sh- a bit too shiny. It just looks a bit too shiny. It would have been so much easier just having him in a suit of armor. Why are you doing this? Why yeah. are you wasting latest time? On well, the this? same with you know, right? Like I say, Ryan Reynolds in Green Lantern is the same story. He didn't wear the suit mm-hmm. during production. Yeah, not even a you know. Not even a bit of it, which they then, you know, ameliorated with CG. Yeah. That's what I know. That's what always confused me is why don't you just make a basic suit and then make it shiny in post production? It's going to yeah. be way easier. No, they didn't do anything, did they? No, they literally just did the whole suit in. They basically, yeah, they basically did a cartoon. They did some really good jobs elsewhere because Sinestro looked fantastic. But, yeah. you know, it's it always baffled me. But I feel like if they go down the digital rendering route for Mandalorian armor, that's going to look too pristine. Yeah. And that's not what you want from Mandalorian armor. You want you want dings and you want scuffs and you want scrapes. Is it going to be large-scale battles? Maybe, you know. I mean, that, you know, if it's large-scale battles, that almost lends itself more to Old Republic. Yeah. It could still have Mandalorians because they're still yeah. involved in the Sith in the, the Sith and Jedi War. Yes. So you could still have Mandalorians in the mix, mm. but they're talking about like with Favreau, he's talking about a few years after Jedi as the time period for it. So they what's the relationship say, between the Empire and Mandalor at this point? I don't know. To be honest, I think it's pretty. My memory of Rebels is a bit hazy. Isn't the whole thing of Sabine's character arc in Rebels Series 3 that she's freeing Mandalore from basically having a bum deal with the Empire? So I thought they were kind of subjugated. Yeah. Is that previous, so previous if it's after the if it's after Return of a Jedi, could it not be a Mandalorian uprising against a Galactic Empire remnant? Yeah, it could be. Totally. You know, them kind of capitalizing on... Um, one of the super star destroyers is blockading Mandalore. There's a hell of a lot of troopers you could get on one of those. True, yeah. Um, you could be looking at an insurrection or something as Mandalore tries to free itself from the Empire. Yeah, that's also that's entirely possible. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. It, it's say so th- this rumor is is pretty. There's nothing particularly about it that makes me think. Oh, there's no way that's true. Like I say, the idea mm-hmm. of splitting the film into two instantly strikes me as odd and not something they would do with the most bankable property i mean let's be fair there are you know there are going to be people who were burned by last jedi but there are there's no star wars fan who's not seeing episode nine no, totally. at least once apart from, pe- apart from people who think they're going to have an impact by boycotting it Maybe, but even then, I feel like they will like, still see it. I'd like to wish all forty of you the best of luck. <laughs> I still feel like they will see it, but they might just torrent it or something. They might just not go yeah. to the cinema to see it and contribute to the box mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. I still feel like they're going to be curious enough to watch yeah. it. That's my sense. Yep. I don't know, but I, I feel like to, to to just throw in that into two movies just because you can just seems really mm-hmm. unnecessary. It's, uh... Yeah, see, so, yeah, I think a large part of the problem with Last Jedi is there's a lot of story to wrap up still. Not enough questions were answered. Yeah. Um, 
So I think nine is going to. I think we might be looking at a three-hour movie for episode nine. That's entirely plausible. Uh, I. I'm not going to put my foot down for sure and say they definitely won't split it, but I think it's unlikely. I feel like it's unlikely. I feel like they would. They they kind of. It would. It would. I think it would actually create a lot of bad blood in fandom, just to have this is the end of the story. This is the last story in the Skywalker saga. Except it's not because you got to come back next year for the last bit. Yeah. That's a bait and switch, and I think fans would probably react quite. Um, you know, they wouldn't be particularly happy about that. Mm-hmm. I still think they'd go and see it, but I think they would go seeing it thinking this is better be good after all that yeah. faff. You know, all that faff we went through. I feel like this is better be good. Mm-hmm. So I think they yeah. would. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to avoid stuff like that because. You know they're probably still a little bit unsure based on you know, the reception of the Last Jedi, the sort of moderate success of Solo. Yeah, the crit- you know critically it did very well, and mm-hmm. in terms of the fans, the fan reaction it did very well. But obviously it didn't light the box office on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it did, it had to fake its own death to uh, <laughs> to to save it from any uh, potential insurance liabilities down the road, presumably, yeah. allegedly. I don't know. It's. It- <laughs> I can believe it, but at the same time, it doesn't quite. Everything, the things don't quite line up to me. I feel like there's other mm-hmm. stories you could tell with Mandalorians, and also I feel like if they go, if the if it's Mandalorians, it sounds like they'll use kind edge tech, but I don't feel like it's going to lend itself as well to the digital soundstage rendering techniques. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more like unless they kind of maybe Mandalorians find their way down to a planet a bit like you know. With with only kind of alien creatures on it, no humanoids, yeah. that sort of thing, that might work because mm-hmm. that would make a lot more sense if you've got a soundstage and you know, like a like a Kashyyyk or something, yeah, you know, that sort of environment or Endor even. Okay, yeah, that something like that might work. Um, but I feel like if you're just going to tell a story of Mandalore itself, I don't know whether the digital soundstage stuff would would lend itself particularly. It wouldn't. I don't think you necessarily gain anything from having that technique in place. Do you know what I mean? No, no I don't know enough about the technique to. No, really it's just know say. It, well, I mean, the, just the thing about the fact that it's so versatile in terms of what you composite over the top of the voice, uh, the motion capture. Yeah. For me, Mandalorians are a bit of a waste of that tech. Because yes, you, okay. I'd rather have people with scuffed-looking physical armor. We're going to have a mask on all the time. Well, maybe, but at the same time, even if they just have the suit of armor on and then the helmet goes on during battle, it's just that real kind of... You want that sort of warlike tinge to it where it's, like I say, the, the armor's dented, it's scuffed, it's it looks like it's been keyed, it's scratched, it's dirty, mm-hmm. it's got blasted dings in it, that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. You want that. You want that sort of thing from Mandalorian armor, and if you don't, I don't know if they're really Mandalorians, if they're just kind of fresh off the, you know, fresh off the conveyor. No. Yeah. It really doesn't really gel for me, you know? No, I agree. Cool. Well, I'm glad we agree. That's always nice when that happens. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it happens more often than you'd think. Oh, really. totally, yeah. I mean, we just don't record them all. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, we agree on tons of stuff, but if we recorded yeah. it all, it'd get, you'd be stuck for hours on end yeah, we, every week. We, we, gen- we generally agree when we disagree. It's entertaining. Yeah, exactly. This is it, you know. So, um... One thing we can agree on is that that was our piece of news, and thus the fact that we've talked about it means that it's time to wrap up the show. Oh, we can right. agree on that, right? 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. But uh, I, look, I look forward to these meetings. Exactly. There's always next week, so uh, yeah. look forward to that as well. So, is the only thing remaining is to sort of plug ourselves and plug the network yeah. and all that stuff. So I'll do, I'll go through the network stuff. So um, these okay. are the podcasts that are part of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Okay. Um, in addition to Talk Star Wars, this wonderful podcast uh, you're listening to one. now, yeah. uh, Tumbling Saber. They're good. Yeah, they are good. Uh, Generation X Wing. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, I like them. Uh, Skyhopper's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Not heard them as much as I have the others, but yeah, I like them. Yeah, indeed. Well, they're, they're really nice uh, really nice folks as well as also mm-hmm. having very entertaining discussions about some of the weirdest stuff you could ever imagine in terms of Star Wars things. Uh, the okay. Nerd Room. I've subscribed, but I haven't listened to any yet. Okay. Well, there's the latest episode's good. I've just been listening to it. Okay, cool. Uh, Rogue Squadron podcast, they're good fun. Um, they're very different to the other shows on the network. They're a bit more okay. crazy trainy, a bit more, you okay. know, um, airy and sweary. Uh, <laughs> but they're good fun. Cool. Great guys. Uh, San Diego Sabres radio podcast yep. is uh, very, very it's- cool. Um, just yeah, in yeah. terms of the stuff they do is... I like the logo as well. Oh, the, the logo's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Tatooine Sons. Yeah, they're good. Really like them. Yeah, uh, really yeah very nice, much so. Very nice bunch of guys. They're kind uh, of informal, just kind of laid back stuff. I really like them. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, less than 12 parsecs. Fewer. <laughs> it's not his fault, it's in the film. <laughs> it's not Tim's fault. Um, yeah, but it's a great show. Um, there's no mm-hmm. bad ones. This is, you know, we're very discerning at the Star Wars Commonwealth, and we bring them in, you know, and the is most... Is like recent audition process? The, well, not formally, but behind the scenes okay. there is, yeah. Um, okay. But we go through and we audition these things, make sure they're suitable and that they're, you know, they do the kind of stuff we like, and mm-hmm. a certain we've got certain bits and pieces we look for. Okay. Uh, and then the most recent edition, the Retro Inc. podcast, Andy and, Andy and Adam, um, yeah. fellow Brits. Cool. Yeah, fellow yeah, Brits. Yeah. There's a lot of Commonwealth. There needs, to be, more about there needs Com- to be more Brits in talk Star Wars. There's a lot of hosts in um, the Commonwealth who have kind of ties to Britain. So Tim's uh, spent some time in England. Rob Cast is um, has some English family. Uh, but in terms of British shows by mm-hmm. purely British hosts, it's talk Star Wars and Retro Inc. Uh, waving the Union Jack in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know between. Uh, the UK, the US, and Canada, we have some fantastic, fantastic shows across a broad range of Star Wars and geek topics in general. Uh, so you should feel free to visit StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps mm-hmm. into a larger world. If you've enjoyed Talk Star Wars, you are more than welcome and, in fact, encouraged to subscribe using uh, any good podcatcher or Apple Podcasts, if that's your bag. Uh, we, can also be found on <laughs> we can also be found on the Echo Player. Um, in addition to that, you can now join our Patreon campaign over at patreon.com slash talkstarwars, uh, throw a couple of pennies into the coffers, and in return, yeah. you get a feed that doesn't tell you that a quiet place is available to own on digital download or DVD, except when we do it, uh, yeah. which is worked effortlessly and seamlessly into the flow of the show. Uh, <laughs> but it is, you know, it's a nice way of saying thank you for, you know, of supporting us. And obviously as a thanks, you get the ad free feed. um, for your trouble, for your, for your, you know, in exchange for said pennies. Uh, and it really is pennies. It's a dollar mm-hmm. a month. So, you know, and you can feel free to ex- exceed that if you wish, but we're not going to, you know, tell you what to do. However, what we will recommend is feel free to email us, podcast at talkstarwars.co.uk. You can uh, tweet us at Talk Star Wars and join our Facebook page on 
Facebook, funnily enough. Amazing that, isn't it? Um, Brad, where can people find you on social media between shows? Uh, you can find me on facebook.com slash Brad Harmer Barnes. You nice. can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RealBradHB. And you can buy my books through Amazon. Yes, you can. And you can use the Amazon widget on Talk Star Wars to do so. And again, it's another way of sending a couple of pennies our way. And that one is at no extra cost to you, the fine reader of Brad's fine or books. Uh, indeed, or you as well. So you get, you know, you get to... Royalties as per the agreement you signed, yeah. whatever that the details of that are, obviously yours and yours alone. Um, yeah. I imagine the they're probably TSW. So. There you go, nice. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rob Wade Vision. Obviously, we are both affiliated with Emotionally Fourteen, which is accessible at emotionally14.com. Uh, YouTube, yeah. Twitter, Facebook, the Woiks, a couple of podcasts there, some excellent YouTube content, including Fire When Ready. Which is the Star Wars Tabletop Gaming Star Show. Star Wars Tabletop Gaming Show, which now includes, yeah. as of the latest episode, uh, Legion, Armada, and Rebellion. So yeah. Basically, about half of the Star Wars Tabletop games are Ooh, represented. The big stuff. Yeah. yeah the big stuff. Stuff. There you yeah. go. Um, and you can also buy my book. Oh, on yes. Amazon. Yes. So this is new since oh, last time we recorded it. It's a book. I mean, it's, it's a booklet, it's not long. That's uh, fine. But, you know, I wanted to do it, and you asked... There's something you don't say very often. You suggested... <laughs> oh, my. Um, you suggested it. It stuck in my head, yeah. and I knew it was never going to leave my head until I gave it a go. So now yes. you can buy Assorted Thoughts on Podcasting from Kindle uh, yeah. on Amazon in US, Canada, UK, and various other stores for mm-hmm. the princely sum of 99 cents or the equivalent in your local currency of choice. It is yeah. the cheapest I could possibly make it because, as I say, it is not long, but I am very, very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Uh, so you, yeah, so you can buy, like I say, you can buy Assorted Thoughts on podcasting or just search for Rob Wade in the Amazon store. As you rightly pointed yeah. out, it is the only result. Yeah. So there is that. <laughs> that was it's a much quicker way of doing it. Yeah. yeah, it's a much quicker way of doing it. So uh, you can now do that. So feel free to check that out. Uh, let me know what you think. Obviously, in both mine and Brad's cases, if you pick up a book, let us know. If you enjoyed it, put a review in um, Amazon. iTunes almost said. Um, yeah. That's not it. Put a review in Amazon or, you know, send a tweet. And if you are going to buy our books, make sure you do it through the Amazon widget. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because that's, you know, that, a few extra pennies come our way. Double whammy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Double whammy. What, what more could, could you possibly want? Yeah. What more could you possibly want? What you could probably want is episode 132 of Talk Star Wars. I look forward to that next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Talk Star Wars we'll be back next week in the meantime may the force be with you Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.